Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Lauren and RJ, the Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Thanks along for the ride on this Wednesday installment of the program. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks, and RJ Saunders with you as we embark on a midweek edition of the program. Word on the street is the GM's talking tomorrow. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Let's go. You going to stop by? I will be there. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Trent Balky will meet with the media t- tomorrow at 1130. Uh, I would imagine that'll be all. I'll find out, but I would imagine that'll be on Jaguars.com. I would think. you can follow it uh, along. It'll be on the radio station as well. And we'll have it live on the radio station as well. So you'll be able to follow it either uh, both here on the radio station, compliments of our friends at Jaguars.com, and, of course, the Jaguars. You can, li- you can hear it here. You can uh, hear it on Jaguars.com, and I'm glad we have it on the radio station. That's perfect. That's good, good, good. All right. Uh, all kind of fun things to talk about. I want to get into that a little bit. Um, what might he say, and uh, and what might people ask him? You know, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm, I mean, really, you know, it's interesting. A, a general manager, I'll defend all general managers. This isn't just a trend thing. There's not a whole lot you can say about your direction. You can't say what you're going to do. Yeah, we're going to go. Yeah, we're we're going to cut Cam. Uh, we're going to franchise. You can't do that. You know, so you can't you can't show your hand. So. But you can talk about strengths and weaknesses of your team, right? I would think you can talk about uh, uh, where we thought we were good, where we were disappointed, how we played, what we think. And I would think you'd be asked, Hayes, um, Trent, what do you think went wrong? Lost five or six? I mean, that's maybe question one, right? I think it has to be. I mean, again, he's going to have to address Josh Allen and has he earned a lucrative extension in Trent's eyes? Uh, What is – Calvin Ridley's future here, if he has one. What was his evaluation of Press Taylor as play caller? Was he involved in, uh, or how much was he involved in the Ryan Nielsen hire? Certainly Cam Robinson has to be a, a question. Why did Trevor Lawrence regress, in his opinion? Uh, does he feel like he's been passed by the Texans? It Can Luke Fortner possibly be his week one center next year? And then certainly questions about the interior offense and defensive lines, in addition to things like, you know, what kind of cap flexibility do you feel like you have? Do you need to create more cap flexibility? Uh, you know, what, how many draft picks are you anticipating having? Uh, you know, things like that. But, yeah, I think the, the tenor of it is going to be you lost ground. How do you get that ground back? Because it appears like the Texans weren't a fluke. It feels like they're here to stay. Indianapolis, I think you have to commend for playing a Week 18 game that – was if they won, they got in to the tournament uh, with a backup playing. Now, I think it's a good backup, but a backup playing uh, the majority of their year. And it, you can't discount the Titans. I'm, I'm not going to make the mistake I made with the Texans. I thought the Texans would win four games, never be a threat. I don't think the Titans are a threat, but I can't count on that. I mean, if Brian Callahan comes in and is able to harness something in Will Levis and they have 
again, they've got a ton of cap. They're going to add weapons. And uh, so obviously they're not the primary concern, but I think it's, it's where are the Jaguars right now in this division and how can you get them back to where they should be? Yeah, I also wonder how he evaluated this past year's rookie class. We know Anton Harrison was really good, but did he expect Tank Bigsby and Britton Strange to get a lot more playing time considering how high they were picked? You know, the cohesiveness of that, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. He's got to be asked about them. He's got to be asked. So we'll, so we'll see. And, and again, I, Doug spoke right after the season, talked about not just the game but the season, talked about players. Now Trent will talk about uh, – the season, I would think, and then and then we'll talk about going forward. But he'll get a lot of questions about that. So, we'll see. so anyway, Trent, Trent Balky meets with the media tomorrow at eleven thirty. That's the news around here. Again, you'll hear it right here on the radio station, uh, which is good. So you'll hear you leave it right here. And again, that's compliments to our friends at Jaguars.com, and they will stream it uh, as well. All right, all kind of things to get to today. We'll get some baseball in today. A Hall of Fame is uh, the Hall of Fame voters have spoken. Apart from Dale Murphy not being in, and we all think he should. And I'm going to make another case for that today, but. Dale Murphy notwithstanding for the moment, did you agree or disagree with the three that went in? I didn't have a, a huge – A, I didn't pay a ton of attention because okay. the Hall of Fame sort of lost me when they put in Harold Baines and Dale Murphy still not right, being right, in right. is an utter joke. Uh, and I think it's stupid now that Bonds isn't in and, look, yeah, yeah. you know, the guys right, I get that it. I, the steroid guys should all be in. Right. Uh, they've, you know, it's like anything in society. You pay a price. I think they've paid it. Yeah. And, you know, they shouldn't – I agree with all that, shouldn't be yeah, shunned for life. Uh, so, I uh, so the Hall of Fame has sort of lost me as somebody that finds it remotely interesting. Uh, I didn't have a problem with Maurer. I think Maurer is a Hall of Fame player. I uh, I I think Andrew Jones should be in. I think he will get in. I don't think it's some crime he didn't get in this time. I think Andrew Jones is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, and 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 again to your point about Dale Murphy, that that remains just I mean such a joke. I mean he's a two time MVP. I uh, it, it, had he you know, taken any sort of performance enhancing drug, right. he certainly would have prolonged his career. I I don't know why people focus so much on the decline at the end and not the peak of his career. I I mean he was a, a beacon of light for baseball in the South. And you can't tell the story of baseball without Dale Murphy, in my opinion. But uh, so you so you're okay with Maurer, Helton and Beltre, no real thoughts? I really don't. I mean, I I, I haven't broken down their cases. Right. I I mean, they so I I don't have a. I saw you know uh, Beltry. Somebody tweeted a, a great stat that he got uh, a hit off of something like eight point nine percent of all pitchers that have ever right. competed in Major League Baseball. Right. That stat alone tells me okay, he's probably worthy. Yeah. And uh, and Helton, I didn't watch Helton a ton, but I mean, certainly he had. I'd say, you know, eight to ten years where he was a, a really good player. So, again, I, I, I don't – it feels a little Harold Baines to me, but I didn't – I haven't broken it down like I did that year where I was just amazed. Yeah, I was fine with them. I agree. I think Andrew Jones should be in. And the fact that Manny Ramirez has been on eight times and isn't in is crazy, but we all know the steroids. People have a hard time, as far as writers are concerned, voting them in. And eventually, I think Alex Rodriguez will get in, but – Maybe the voters will prove me wrong. Yeah, I, uh, I think I agree with you. I think that all the steroid guys should be in. Um, I do, and, and, and Andrew Jones, by the way, will get in. Gibby had the, the best stat. There's four guys in history that have had 400 home runs and 10 gold gloves. Willie Mays, Mike Schmidt, Griffey Jr., and Andrew Jones. That, that stat's that. So, so, but I'm going I'm to make a point about Dale Murphy later on in the program. Um, 
Adrian Beltre is an absolute Hall of Famer. 477 home runs, 3,100. He went over 3,000 hits by 166, and he has five gold gloves. He's the automatic one in this group, even though even though people don't know him as well. I don't know about but Maurer. I don't. I mean, he was a catch. He hit 306. Um, and I know he's a catcher and he's a very good catcher. And I'm never against the guy getting in. Yeah. Um, three batting titles. Uh, three. He three batting titles. A very good catcher. One of the best hitting catchers of all time. But I, I guess what stands out to me, Don Mattingly, who's not in, has better stats in every possible way. More hits, more home runs, higher batting average, more RBI. Don Mattingly, his stats crush Joe Maurer's stats. And Mattingly should be in. And Mattingly should be in. And, again, I don't mind people. I mean, But, I mean, it's not even close. If you compared Mattingly and Maurer, it's not even close. I mean, more hits. Why isn't Mattingly and, and, in? And a bunch of gold gloves. Like, why, what, what is the holdup on him? I don't know. But, I mean, I just so, – so I, I guess so I guess my thought on it is um, I'm okay with Maurer being in. Three batting titles, uh, a very good catcher. You know what he got? He got it – what year was it when he had the, the 365, the 28, and the 96? Whatever year that was, the big year, the big MVP year. Mm-hmm. He had one, the year he won the MVP. So, uh, so I'm okay. I'm, by the way, I'm not opposed to any of them, but, but – I um, it just underwhelmed me. Does that make sense? The yeah. the, the class underwhelmed me, and, well, I, and, I mean, I, and, I, and this is a stretch where I followed baseball every day. Now this is not you know, it's just the class. I'm probably like you. I've probably gotten to where now. All right, you can't have a Hall of Fame without Roger Clemens. Now, I mean, you 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 now can't have it. You can't have a as much as I didn't like Bonds. You can't have the Hall of Fame without Barry Bonds now. And you you can't. And it's at this point, you made your point. You know. You now can't have it. I think they've. I. I don't. You really can't. A. Rod to, to Lawrence Point. You can't. You can't really have a Hall of Fame without him now. So I don't. I was just un, really underwhelmed by the group. I just. I just. Billy Wagner didn't get in. He almost did. I guess. You know. You know what I mean. I yeah. mean. I, I, Adrian Beltre belongs in. Adrian Beltre. I would make this point. Who are the best third baseman of all time? Brooks Robinson, Mike Schmidt, George Brett, Chipper Jones, Eddie Matthews. Right. Those mm-hmm. five probably. He's probably next. He's probably the sixth best third baseman of all time. I don't know. I was just I was underwhelmed. I was I, I'm not opposed to him. I was underwhelmed by the grouping. Do you think Gary Sheffield should be in? I think he barely missed. I think Chef should be in. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he was. But a that Hall was of, his last year. Yeah, right. But and Chef had a presence. But presence is a big part of the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? There's a charisma to the way he played. He had a flamboyant playing style. I think he should be in. Obviously, Andrew Jones will get in. And again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold up on my Dale Murphy point a little bit later on. But I'm gonna certainly make a Dale Murphy. So anyway, we'll talk about that. Later on, I was just a, and I'm glad Jim Leland. Jim Leland, by the way, if he'd have drawn a better deck of cards, he was a great manager. He might have been the best manager of the last fifty years. He just he was with those Pirates teams that were good in the early '90s, and then they blew it up. He was with the Marlins, who were good for a while, and they won. He was with the Rockies, who were good for not very long. Had he had he ever landed? He didn't need to. It didn't need to be the Yankees or the Dodgers. If he'd have landed on the Braves oh, or yeah. the or the Giants or the Astros or if he or the Cardinals, he it didn't. Jim Leland wouldn't have needed the Yankees or the Dodgers to be unbelievably good. He just needed something better than Pirates, Rockies, Marlins, and the Pirates are really good. The Pirates, the Pirates were the best franchise in baseball in those early nineties. They just never got there, you know. So right. um, anyway, so all right, we'll talk more about that coming up. When we come back, though, I want to start with Trent Baalke. What would you ask him? What do you expect him to say later on? More football talk. Uh, Joe Barry, uh, see where Joe Barry got fired? Yeah, he's really well respected. Yeah. I mean, Joe Barry is a really well respected defensive coordinator. He's the son of Mike Barry, the old offensive line coach that was so respected. So I was surprised by that. I want to talk about recruiting, Hayes. 
The recruit is this everybody's junior day? I, I've I've lost track of the calendar. I mean, there, there's still a signing day in February, right? In there, there no, is. There nobody go. I mean, is there anybody left for any of these teams? I'm sure that there's there's. I mean, I don't know that there's any elite players left. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But uh, you know, as we get a little closer, that'll yeah. that'll become a little bit more of a storyline. I mean, there's yeah. usually of the top 100, maybe there's, I don't know, three or four, yeah. if I had to guess. Yeah. But I I think in terms of I think it's gotten to a point that so many sign in December yeah. that it almost feels like the recruiting rankings are almost cemented that day, yeah. and there isn't much yeah. that happens in February that, right. that changes it. Probably at the lower level of Division One, all the juniors are visiting now. I, I don't know if that was always the thing. I guess we'll get to that later on. But I, I didn't. I, was, I thought that was a summer thing, or a. But boy, oh boy! Every time you turn around, there's a junior day. All these schools. All right? the stories about Florida and Florida State recruiting-wise are all 2025 kids. Correct. That, that's that's it. So we'll talk. So that that's kind of the point. You said it more succinctly. We'll get to that. And listen, I do want you. I saw the excitement on your face yesterday. I don't want to give it away, but I saw the enthusiasm, the joy, the joy, the excitement. How when you saw that ACC football schedule. So oh, I want you to break it down. That I mean, is a blockbuster. I mean, I mean, I mean I week mean, in and week out. Appointment I mean, you don't get games like Duke at Elon very often. I mean, if you can't get excited about that, you hate freedom. You, There's you, just <laughs> no other way to say it. If you're not going to watch that game and get excited about it, uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm obviously I'm picking on one game, you, but you, trust me, you hate, it doesn't get much better. You hate freedom. Oh, we've got a lot to talk about. Glad you're with us on a Wednesday. Frangie and Carlyon, Brooks and R.J. Saunders. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the GM, what he might say, and then we'll kind of recap it on tomorrow's program. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. I was just in a good mood anyway, not bothering anybody, saying hello to the peeps, mm-hmm. smiling. I'm kind of a yeah. smiling guy. I'm a happy guy. You are. Will you please tell the Doobie Brothers, America, live what, what you at Daly's Place, Monday, July 8th, and Frank Frangi is going to be there. You think? <laughs> he might open for them. He's that excited. How good is this? It'll the be the Doobie. Robert Cray Band, followed by Frank Frangi. <laughs> Followed by the Doobie Brothers. I love it. You're telling me Tom Johnson, Patrick Simmons are coming, and they're bringing Michael McDonald so they can play it all? That's correct. Yep. Tickets go on sale Friday. I'll bet I get my hand on a few of those. Yeah. They were great when they were here a year ago. Right. It was recent. A year, maybe two. Two but years ago, I think. Oh, so much fun. You think Chad Johnson booked that himself? Yeah, I'm tempted to have Chad. I'm tempted to have Chad on just to thank him for that. <laughs> okay, hey Chad, welcome to the program. Good to have you on again. Hey, nice work on the Doobie Brothers thing. What do you think? I'm surprised he doesn't text you as soon as he books. Yeah, you. yeah. I, 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 There's yeah, a I, break in the friendship. Very well said. I'm getting the sports in a minute. I'm listening to listen to the music right now. This is the anthem, by the way, for people that. And if, by the way, for people that don't know the Doobie Brothers, and if you don't, turn off the damn radio. But anyway, so there's that. Okay, <laughs> matter with you matter with you. you hate freedom <laughs> I said that which was already taken today it's already gone but we're, we're 22 minutes in and that line's already say it gone. it feels good it does feel good <laughs> what's your second favorite to be better song 
Well, my favorite, you know my favorite. Yeah. And my favorite is South City Midnight Lady. That's probably why you asked that. Second favorite, um, probably um, China Grove. Okay. Probably um, Rocking Down the Highways third. This is probably fourth. Long train running. Do you want me to keep going? I can, I can go to 20, but I won't do that. So. Love the Doobie No Blackwater in your top. Love Blackwater. Okay. But everybody loves Blackwater. You know, I mean, Blackwater yeah. is a song everybody likes. I love Blackwater. So they, my Doobie Brothers coming to town. I'm in, I'm in a very good mood. Just say, let's all get together. Let, let's get all of Jacksonville together. Let's all, let's all tailgate. Like, yeah. how, let's have, how many people are in Jacksonville? Like 1.2? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Daly's place, it's about 5,500. Well, let's get. <laughs> so it won't hold the 1.2? That would let's be get correct. the 1.2 in the parking lot. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll, now, we'll if figure. we get about 100,000, we could probably move it in the stadium. That's exactly right. Set so up I, the I, temporary seats Saturday. like we do for Florida, Georgia. Chad Johnson on the radio right now. I uh, love the Doobie Brothers. Um, Trent Balky will meet with the media tomorrow. Um, Hey, you talked about it a little bit at the top. First of all, there's a there's a there's this rumor of a rift between he and Doug Peterson. I don't believe there's a rift. But like all GMs and coaches, there could be a difference of opinion. And I think that's one of the first things Trent will be asked about. Are you and Doug on the same page? Trent will say we are. Trent will say we collaborate and we're comfortable in our collaboration. There's nothing to um the rift. And I believe I believe him and I believe that's what he'll say. But I do think you'll say, he will be asked, what would you do differently building the roster, right? And what do you think the weakest areas were of the football team? I talked about this at the top. But that's what were the weak areas of the football team? If you're Trent Baalke, that's got to be media guy question number one to him. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and again, I think Josh Allen's status is fascinating. I mean, you want to hear Trent Baalke say tomorrow, we are offering Josh Allen – prime money now it, he'll I'm sure he'll say it takes two and it does that's factual Josh Allen may just say no I don't think this is going to happen but he has the right to say nope I don't care you can tag me if you want I'm not signing I'm not signing here I don't care how much I don't care if you make me the highest paid defender I'm not signing here again I don't think that's how Josh feels but it does take two to tango but you know it starts with Josh Allen in terms of their offseason priorities I uh, I mean to me it's what is his evaluation of the offense with Press Taylor as play caller? You know, and again, sometimes this is body language. I mean, my guess is if you look at a Trent Balky transcript tomorrow and you don't listen or watch, particularly watch, uh, you'll take something differently away from it from people that are going to be watching it because people have tells. I mean, it's just everybody does. And I uh, – how he answers, body language, you know, it, it can give you clues and indications, uh, even depending on what the words actually are. Uh, so I think, you know, how involved was he in, in the Ryan Nielsen hire? Um, and then, you know, why, in his opinion, did Trevor Lawrence regress? Uh, was it players around him? Was it coaching? Was it Trevor just didn't play very well? I, uh, you know, I, Maybe he'll go into some of the injuries. Uh, we'll see. But I, I think a lot of it is they put it on cruise control. And, and I can't necessarily blame them for this because I was on cruise control completely. I thought after last year they won the division. They did it in stunning fashion. They won a bunch of games. They gave the Chiefs all they wanted in Arrowhead. Houston was rebuilding. They, were, they had started to rebuild. So it wasn't like a new rebuild. But they were still in the process of rebuilding. 
Uh, Tennessee looked lost in the wilderness because they had one foot in contention, one foot in rebuilding. And then you had Indianapolis that you knew was going to be taking a quarterback very high, so it didn't look like they were going to be very good. So, but, but these guys are the ones getting paid to do this. You know, we're, we're just fans and, and reporters. You know, they clearly put it on cruise control last year, and a lot of their decisions – were luxury picks. Well, they've they've lost that luxury now because you're not the king of your division. And no one is going to – I say no one. Few people are going to pick, in my opinion, the Jaguars because my guess is when you look at the offseason acquisitions, the Jaguars will be fourth simply because they have the least amount of money in the division to spend in terms of the cap. So uh, Houston's going to sign one or two guys that you, makes you say, wow. And my guess is Indianapolis and Tennessee will do the same thing. I don't know that the Jaguars are going are gonna to be able to do that. So uh, you know, I think it starts with, do you now feel like you've got to catch these teams? And, and the hope that the answer there is, the hope is that he says, absolutely. Because it's going to take bold moves for the Jaguars, I think, to get back to running this division. They could certainly do it. I don't think that I don't think they have to make major adjustments, but there there were moves out there to be made this past offseason that weren't wouldn't have even been necessarily aggressive moves. And they didn't do anything. Anything. The I mean, how they handled the the edge rush was just, I mean, negligent. And so that's the attitude that I think got him in trouble, and it cannot be the attitude this year. They can't brush it off like, well, we had some guys hurt, and, and you know, our defensive coordinator wasn't very good, so we had to fire him. But you know, we'll be healthy, we'll have a new defensive coordinator, and everything will be fine. That's going to send you to 7-10 and 10, if that's the way you think. Yeah, I think he better approach it as we've got a lot of work to do because of how the season ended. And then I'm sure there are going to be questions, Frank, about – Defensive personnel, now that they've got to change defensive coordinator, does he feel like the defensive personnel that they have matches the old defense? Good point. Defensive coordinator or the new defensive coordinator? How do they address that? And, of course, there is also a rumor out there, and Prisco addressed it on a podcast almost two weeks ago now, where it was thought that Balky might retire. So I wonder if that's a question. Did you think <laughs> about retiring at any point in time over the last few weeks? Yeah, I never bought that one. I didn't either. I, 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 and I have great respect for Pete. You know, Pete, Pete's very connected. But I never bought that was ever in play. He's he's he he's a young sixty whatever he. What I don't he, even think he's sixty. Yeah, is that I think he, I think he's fifty nine. Yeah, but, but he but he but he's that. I never, the only way that would have made sense is if Shad if Shad called him in and said Trent, I'm moving on, and Trent said, Can we just call this a retirement? Right. And Shad said, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, absolutely, we'll do that. And then it comes out that Trent Baalke's retiring because yeah. he's never going to get another shot. Right. I mean, th- this is it. And uh, and so, you know, that would make sense. But Trent Baalke willingly walking away from a job that pays him what it pays yeah, uh, with an owner that gives him every benefit of the doubt, why would you willingly walk away from that? Yeah, I, my guess is that was – I don't I agree with you. That was never going to happen, I don't think. But uh, but you made a good point about the uh, – there is – Trent, is there going to be a new defense? What's the scheme going to be? And do you have to uh, procure players based on a different look? That's a good call. Is it – you know, I, he'll be asked tomorrow, do you expect it to be a 4-3? His answer will be that's up to the coaches because that's always the GM's answer. 
But you got to ask him, right? You got to ask, is it absolutely? Will the scheme change defensively? And if it does change, do you uh, what areas do you have to address because of it? So it'll be interesting to see. I uh, I'm glad he's going to speak. I, I don't anticipate it Hayes being a long one. I, I think that I, th- I just think, and again, I'm, I'll defend I'll defend the GM in this spot. There's not a whole lot he can say about the direction. You can't show your direction. What you can say. Uh, what did Bean say the, the, when he was? You said everyone talked about how long he spoke in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was. I think he was good and insightful. And I mean, again, to your point, he's not going to say, "Well, if uh, Jared Verse is sitting at seventeen, that's our pick." I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I mean, again, that they don't even know that they haven't they haven't built their board. They haven't talked to these guys yet. Uh, but again, I, I think I think it's he's not going to reveal his hand. But I do think you can give some insight into your concerns without giving away your exact plan that's and who you're going to be right. calling the second legal tampering begins and things like that. So, I mean, I'll say this, uh, not that, uh, you know, it's it, I hope it's not I hope it's not a stiff arm on all questions press conference. I mean, it just, I think it would just be a disaster yeah, yeah, I, for I, the Jaguars if that's what this is going to be yeah. 17 days after your season ends. Yeah, and there's nothing, and then and there's nothing to be gained from that. Basically, anyway. act like you're yeah. miserable there. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll say it uh, like I said yesterday. Yeah. There's a lot of people in this city that spent a lot of their disposable income to come watch this team that gave it profound support. It was the best road crowd per, that I've ever seen. In terms of the road travel, you these are your paying customers. You owe them an explanation. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let me say this too about about good Trent, good, bad, or indifferent. He's smart. When he's been up there, he hasn't done that. Uh, the, the the time the times we've interviewed Trent Balky, he's not been chippy guy. He's not he's not been that. Now maybe this will may, maybe it's a more difficult setting this time, but he's not been chippy guy. I just don't think. Here's what I think you're going to get. I think you're going to get. Here's where we were disappointed. Here's where we got to get better. Uh, I can't tell you what we're going to do. Obviously, he can't talk about Josh Allen. He can't. Other than we love Josh, we love him to be here. That's what he's going to say about Josh Allen. Calvin, we love Calvin. We love Calvin to be here. Uh, are you going to a four-three? That's a coach's decision. I mean, the, I can tell you, and that's not a trend thing. I can tell you, that's what GMs are going to say. The bigger question is what. What, what I do think he's got to address, Hayes and Lauren, is. Where are your areas of concern? That, 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 that I think, you, you, that, that's one you can't duck. You can't say, if you say, what positions on the team need to be the, need the most work? I think you have to address that one. You know, that doesn't tell you what we're going to do in free agency, what we're going to do in the draft. But, yeah, here's some areas where we need to get better. I, I would have to think he's got to say that. That, that, if he doesn't say interior offensive line and interior yeah. defensive line, then is he lying? Yeah, so – well, or do they view their team differently than everyone else? Well, one question, one thing Hayes brought up yesterday on the program is he, Doug, Phil Rauscher, whoever else is asked, they have to address the Fortner thing. They have to because it's a talker. Regardless of what you think, I think, he thinks, the fans think, they think, anytime something becomes a talker in the fan base and in the media group, then you have to address that. And Luke Fortner, it's rare when – uh, offensive linemen are kind of like umpires in baseball. The only time people talk about them is when there's a concern, right? Nobody ever, nobody ever talks about a center being good. Now, at the end of his career, they do. You know what I mean? But nobody ever says, "Boy, you got a good right guard." You know. Now, now again, once you're Alan Fanica and you've done it for 18 years, and 
you, you, you're, you've been a seven Pro Bowls. Well, then they talk about you. But nobody talks about uh, – I could not tell you – the Kansas City Chiefs might be in the Super Bowl, Hayes. I cannot tell you their right guard is. Yeah. Okay? I cannot tell you their – I can't tell you the Ravens' right guard is either. I can't tell you the 49ers' right guard is either. And just to make it a clean sweep, I can't tell you who the Lions' right guard is. But if he struggles, he's, you know, you know what I mean? But Doug Peterson spoke well about Luke Fortner the last time he met with the yeah. media, so it doesn't seem like bulky if they're in lockstep. It doesn't seem like he would say anything negative. Yeah, he certainly didn't. I don't know that Doug said he was great, but I think, he, I don't, I think what Doug said, he's, I, he didn't indicate there's any. And I don't know that Prince going to call a player out tomorrow. I'd, I'd, I w- I'd be very surprised if he calls a player out. I would think what he would do is talk about areas. I mean, what he needs to say is obviously we need to have a competition at center. That's, well, correct. That's right. And he needs to say we need to be more physical. Everyone, we weren't right. physical. Yeah. We weren't physical at the line of scrimmage. I, I can't imagine he's not going to say that. Right. I can't imagine he's not going to say that. But that's an indictment, I feel like, of him if he says it. So that's the yeah. interesting part. We'll if see. he'll if he'll agree to we'll that. We'll see. Let's keep it on football. I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Got a thought after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You're crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Crying all the time. Well, you ain't never caught a rabbit and you ain't no friend of mine. Well, they said you was high trash. Right before he died, uh, it was, it, she was very proud. My mom never gets to hear me concert. She's very proud of that. That's a good my one. My mom was very proud of that. I mean, I mean, like we lo- I think we looked it up one time. He was here, like right before he died, like a month or two. That, my, my, my mom was. Didn't we look it up? I think we looked it up. It was like a month, or two, and he was. My mom was at that concert. My mom and her friend Irene, they were so happy. My mom told me, you know, Irene's taking me to the Elvis. Was at the Coliseum? Coliseum. She could not quit talking about it. My mom must have talked about that forever. She never got to do a concert. So yeah. She was really excited. Mom and Irene. I love it. If you could only go to one concert ever, I'm guessing it would be Springsteen, even though you've seen him a ton. If I had one more left? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Hayes, what about you? If you had one concert left? Ah, uh, Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> if they ever got back mm-hmm. together. Yeah. What about you? Hang on, uh, I'm doing mbop. I'd probably go Garth Brooks because I've only seen him a couple times, yeah. and in concert, it's he's just sensational. Slightly better than Hanson, but I mean, I'm guessing your answer, your real answer is the Stones. I don't know. Well, the Pesh Mode. I'm it's sure. hard because I, I just, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to see either, and and luckily we'll see the Stones this year, and I uh, would definitely see Depeche Mode again. But I just saw them in April. Yeah. Um, but if you had one, if, if the if music industry was one. shutting down after tomorrow. You could go see anybody tomorrow. That's it a would great be question. somebody. It would it is a great question. It would have to be somebody that I've never seen. Okay. But so I, I don't know. It's yeah. that's one I'd have to think about a little bit. So it was easier for me just to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the um, take have you seen Hanson before? Uh, <laughs> well, I have not. Who hasn't? Yeah. Who hasn't? Um, the uh, yeah, Springsteen for me, uh, followed by probably Billy Joel second and Eagles third. If I mean, if there's one, if there's one concert left. Yeah, there's, there's, but there's, not. This version of the Eagles, or still this version of the Eagles? Oh, I thought you meant if it was like really was if it was like really now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd rather have Glenn Fry, right? But I mean, if you if it really if, you, if that really did happen, you had one crack at it, yeah. I would still go Springsteen one, Billy Joel two, Eagles three. Okay, 
Because Fleetwood Mac would be high on my list, but without Christine McVie, and yeah. obviously most people love Stevie Nicks' voice more than hers, but still, like she's an integral part of the band, yeah. and she passed away a few years ago. Yeah, that that that's no, you're right. The bands have all changed, but that was, that's, that was a great question. As a matter of fact, one band left. Um, by the way, if we did if we did five or ten, Garth Brooks would be on the Garth Brooks would make my list. It's a fantastic show. It's a fantastic, fantastic show. No, nobody connects with the audience like he does. I mean, the concerts. Are I shouldn't say fun. nobody. Springsteen does, the Stones do, but but he's one of those that really does. Yeah, absolutely. RJ, what's your band or artist? That I'm thinking about it. Um, it's a tie. Uh, one would be probably a Kendrick Lamar concert, but then secondly, I'm I've been a huge fan of this guy's work. Uh, Leon Thomas, who quiet is kept. He's wrote a lot of great songs that we hear today. Um, uh, but he's a great uh artist himself i would love to see a concert of his and then third would be pj morton who i love his music as well and you have a tie with ties are allowed so yeah. it's, it's all right so very good i'm all right so thinking about this if patrick if the chiefs win he would have three rings at age 28 and i think about the state farm commercials because they play them as much as they do the geico commercials They're terrible Ads are terrible. But there's so many. And he's, he's so many that he's in. I'm serious. And the, yeah, yeah, they're corny as hell, but, he, but there's, so, there's so many. Where will he be? I mean, is he Jordan? Yes. Is, he, I mean, he, he's it, isn't he? he I, mean, I mean, in all sports, not just football. I mean, of all sports right now, LeBron faded. LeBron's awesome, and LeBron's still awesome. But LeBron's – you don't turn around every time you turn around, there's LeBron anymore. Tiger's day is come and gone. Mm-hmm. LeBron drinking wine on the bench, yeah. I feel like, might have put a little damper on his athleticism. There's not a baseball guy, you know. There, there's, I mean. And Shohei Otani for as good as he is and, and maybe one day, right. but it's still hard because he's not right. in America. He, right, exactly. So, and, but, but, I mean, I'm thinking, yes, this guy's 28. Well, that's, I mean, what, what, what's going to add? What, that's is, it, is he going to be the biggest icon in football history? Well, he's almost, to me, I think at his age, he's bigger than Brady. Because keep in mind, when Tom Brady won early, he won because of the defense. So, And then they went like 10 years without winning a Super Bowl. Then they got super hot, and I think they won three after Brady turned like 35 or 36. They got hot. They they went on a drought, and then they got hot. And, And then obviously he left, went to Tampa, and won another one at, what, 40? two or something if you look at how much tom brady won between like after his 30 age 35 season it's stunning so he really wasn't even what mahomes is now every ring the chiefs have won it's because of patrick mahomes now maybe if he wins uh you know one deep into his career he'll be along for the ride like kind of peyton was uh in denver uh for the for the last one but um but in terms of it, I think he's, I think he's absolutely Jordan, because he's twenty eight. He's the singular reason that they win, and I mean he could win another seven or eight of these things. That's the thing. He could have four before before he turns thirty. He yeah. could have four rings before he turns thirty. And I do think that Tom Brady had more resistance in the AFC than Patrick Mahomes does. We are gonna for years talk about how good Joe Burrow and how good Josh Allen and maybe Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert and even Aaron Rodgers is now in that but they weren't conference. Peyton. But none of them they are they stopping Patrick Mahomes right. from getting to the mountaintop. Now, I suppose Lamar Jackson could stop him this weekend, and then maybe the conversation shifts. 
if the Ravens can continue to to win the AFC championship, that's a possibility. But at, for the here and now, doesn't seem like anyone's ready to stop the Chiefs. It feels like I'm not saying they're definitely winning the Super Bowl, but it, it feels like they're on that path more consistently because they've been there six times in his six years. That's what's insane. I just wonder. I really wonder when we look up and in, in, he's in his mid 30s. Are we talking about him as prominently as any athlete we have in decades? I mean, it's just it's just amazing. And, and to his credit, like him or like the State Farm or not, he has monetized it, uh, and and he's likable. You know, I mean, he's he's a he's a. I thought his post game interview was perfect. Didn't you think that the way he the way he talked about Josh Allen? Did you hear him talk about Josh Allen? Yeah, the, I mean, he's yeah. a, he's obviously a very classy. Uh, individual. I mean, he's a bit of a whiner, uh, but in terms of his, you know, he conducts himself very well, uh, considering the enormous spotlight that is on him at all times. Yeah, there's nothing that we can pick at as far as his off the field, like he's a good family man and all that stuff. But his it's it's as his athleticism that is what's insane. I mean, the no look passes and what he's able to do with other than Kelsey, not necessarily great weapons around him, like. That's all the stuff that we talked with Brady, not the athleticism part, but Brady always elevated the receivers and tight ends yeah. that he had. Gronk was great, but for the most part, the rest of them weren't. And so that's what makes Mahomes so special. And so the question is going to be with the long contract that he signed, is he able to keep his salary down so that he can keep adding people around like him the way did. that Brady did? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he won't be MJ because MJ is the best player of all time and there will be no competition. Mahomes, even if – he wins four of them, five of them. He's not going to be Brady, you know. Even if he even if he wins as many as Brady, then he'll be the equivalent of. But he won't pass. So he's so he's not going to be Tiger or MJ. There's only one Tiger and only one MJ. But I think the lack of that, lack of anything like that, now he will do. I mean, he's he's the guy. He's the he's the he's the, in all of sports. And I don't see anybody rising to meet him. I, I don't see anybody in the NBA that's going to be this. There's nobody in baseball that can compete. Um, in terms of football players, the other great football players are Burrow and Lamar and, and, and I guess, you know, and I don't know that either of those two guys have his charisma. They're both good guys, you know, but I just. Well, none of them have rings and, and, and he has and they, three. And, and they don't, that's right. The, he, he, he's, that's the hypothetical in this conversation is yeah. that if he wins they this win year, this Super if he wins Bowl. This, that's right. That The whole conversation is if they win this year, right. he'll if have If they three. win this year. I do think he will end up with more rings than Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I I mean, well, Brady's got seven now. And, right. But I mean, the thing that's so remarkable about that, Brady won four Super Bowls after the age of 37, which is just remarkable. Right. He won the Super Bowl at 37, 39, 41, and 43. Um, so, I mean, if Mahomes gets it this year, he's tied with Brady until you get to Mahomes's year 37 season well my guess is that there isn't going to be a 10-year drought Brady won the Super Bowl his third championship was in 04 and then the Patriots didn't win it again until 14 that I don't think that's going to happen in Mahomes's career I, I don't think you're going to see him get 10 years between rings now he may not get four after the age of 37 right but I wouldn't put it past him yeah, because the way medicine is, he's going to have advantages that Tom Brady didn't have. Yeah, and he's shown he 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 can do what today's guys do. He can run. Uh, he, we we saw first we we saw up close and personal how tough he is. 
I mean, he, he for all practical purposes, shouldn't have finished the Jaguar game last year. For all practical right. purposes, he should not have finished the game. Right. But somehow he found a way to And nutrition it. will get better. Yeah, and right. uh, So, I mean, if he wants to play, yeah. and my I, guess is, I mean, the advancements that we don't even know about today in 2024, well, who knows in, in 2034 – Right. Do you, what advantages Mahomes will have that Brady didn't have towards the end of his career that you, will help him keep his skills? Do you hate the Chiefs? I do. Do you yeah, hate the Chiefs? Because they're in the Jaguars' way. I don't hate the Chiefs because I like the story. They were so mediocre for so much of my life. Yeah. And then they, to their credit, identify this kid out of Texas Tech, and they're right. like, this is our guy. You know, we've got to keep I, it quiet, and I, and I think but I this like is Andy, our guy. I think I like Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid, you know, so I, I'm, I'm not way. pulling for the Chiefs. Right. But I do like the story of they were just yeah. sort of floating out there in mediocrity purgatory for so many years, then hit on this to their – again, they didn't have the number one pick in that draft. They traded up to get Mahomes. Uh, they had Alex Smith. It was a really savvy move, and uh, and they've been richly rewarded for it. So, I mean, once you win two or three, I'm gonna root against you just because that's just how I am. Everybody, I, I, not just yeah, you. Yeah, I'd every, like every, I'd every, like to see somebody else win. This right. year, it's even more more well, so with them playing uh, the Ravens. Well, everybody but. roots for Go- David to beat Goliath. And once you become Goliath, people root against yeah. you. Whether you know, so that's that's normal. But I love In, the story. Like it's yeah. not like they had the number one pick. And the obvious year of it's not like Mahomes was hyped as this generational prospect, and they had the number one pick, and and you know a mannequin could have made the selection. It's just it's just a really awesome football strategy story, and uh, so anyway, I I respect their origin and how they and and the franchise, but I'm not rooting for them yeah. to win the Super Bowl. I, I just and I and I find no, I'm not either. I'm not either, but I find myself. I like him. I like the story, and I think not that the NFL is not in wonderful shape anyway, but the NFL spokesperson, which is who he is, one other thought about it, by the way. I get the sense that quarterbacks two through seven are jockeying for position. I was clear it was Burrow, and then Josh Allen, then whoever. I think Lamar might have passed them all now, at least for at least for today, because Burrow's hurt. But I mean, I, I, you know. I think Josh Allen goes from two to five to four to three to six to two. You know what I mean? He's, he's been all over the place. Justin Herbert up and down. We hope Trevor gets in that mix at some point. We we see all these guys. Tua has been in and out of that mix. But number one doesn't change, does it? No. You, you know that? Number one, number one doesn't. Number one is number one doesn't change. I mean, he's so good now that, like, if Mahomes, you know, God forbid, but if he suffered an injury in week one next year that put him out for the season – the conversations in 2025 when you said best quarterbacks, he'd still be one. He'd still be one. Yeah. He, he, it, I mean, he would still be one. That's what he's earned. Yeah. Well, he has what Brady had, and that is the dedication to be the best. And I think there are questions about other quarterbacks as to whether or not they are as devoted and as committed as someone like Patrick Mahomes, where everything he ever does, besides being a dad and husband, but everything he ever does is all about winning championships. What Michael – Lauren, what made Michael Jordan – and Tiger Woods, ridiculously great, is he had the work ethic of a walk-on. Michael Jordan acted like he was a walk-on. Tiger Woods hit more balls, you're, we're told, we're not on the range with the tour players, than any of them. And if you have the, if you have the ability of, of Jordan and Tiger and the mentality of a walk-on, and I, and, I, and I agree with you, I think Patrick Mahomes 
Is and that not guy. every quarterback has and, that. And not, and, but he certainly does. So I will take a break. We come back. I had a baseball thought. Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy's on the conversation, even though he's not in the hall. I got a thought about that. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hour two on a Wednesday, Frangie and Carline Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. them in the sphere who do we just blue see? blue's going right blue's yeah going. My, my neighbor went oh really said How it was, was it? On, said it was on blue i can't wait to see a show he said, he said he said see my, my neighbor said seeing you two in the sphere was amazing yeah good as Africa. Blue's, that's what blue said going. um all right here's what i got for you the great dale murphy is a seven-time all-star a two-time mvp he won him back to back he hit 398 home runs. So help me, I think those two home runs hurt him. Oh, there's no doubt about it. He had 398 home runs. He won five gold gloves, four silver sluggers, and he was a regular 30-30 guy. Here's the thing. He did it mostly on a team that was lousy. Now, they were good in 82 and 83 when they won the division both years. But other than that, the Atlanta Braves were lousy. Which meant, and I promise you, and I promise you, I re- you did two A's. I watched those games. He mostly had no protection. Now, on the good teams, Horner batted behind him, mm-hmm. and and Bob Horner, when healthy, would bat behind him. But other than that, this is a guy with no protection, on a on a franchise with nobody in the stands, with no energy, and he was one of the most well-respected guys in baseball. If we only look at stats, only look at stats, he still should be in. But Dale Murphy was one of them. He won five gold gloves as a center fielder, yeah, which meant he was playing when Gary Maddox and Paul Blair were playing. Blair at the end of his career, Maddox in the prime of his career. He won five gold gloves. He won back-to-back MVPs. He was at seven All-Star games. I think what's happened, so many people believe Dale Murphy should be in that the old stodgy writers are pushing back against them more than they're pushing back against Murphy. That's my point here. I think the old cranky writers who vote for this thing are angry. At, they're so angry at the pro-Dale Murphy push, almost like the Pete Rose push, but that's got all kind of different variables that I think that's why he's been pushed out. Andrew Jones should be in and will get in. He's a different kind of player. But Dale Murphy is the biggest crime of not being in because of how he represented the game, how he treated people, the way, and mostly the way he did it on a bad franchise and a bad team that gave him no help. He could have opted out. He could have asked to be traded. He never did. He could have got to, got to free agency. He never did. This was a guy, and I guess they didn't really have free agency the same way then, but the point is Dale Murphy was an Atlanta Brave. Yeah, he played on the Phillies and the Rockies at the end, but he was the ultimate Atlanta Brave. I would say 
on a team, on a franchise that had Hank Aaron and Chipper Jones, he's about as Mr. Brave as anybody who's ever played. This team had Eddie Matthews. This team had Warren Spahn. This team had Hank Aaron. This team had Chipper Jones. This team had Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz on the same franchise. I still think, other than maybe Aaron, with apologies to Chipper even, that Dale Murphy might be Mr. Atlanta Brave, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Very well said. I, I think it, it just depends on how old you are. I mean, I'm 47. For me, Dale, Burf, Dale Murphy is Mr. Brave to me. I mean, I grew up watching him, idolizing him. I had his, you know, he had a book, Ask Dale Murphy. I read it. I wasn't even playing baseball. Uh, and uh, I, I, I just thought he was such a great ambassador uh, and uh, really, really enjoyed watching him as I was growing up. And again, I think baseball owes Dale Murphy a lot because I, I think a lot of its popularity in the South can be, can be directly tied to Dale Murphy. 100% true. And, and so I, I think he helped grow the game uh, through his uh, brilliant career. And so it, in my opinion, you can't tell the story of baseball without Dale Murphy. You can tell the story of baseball without Harold Baines, in my opinion. Uh, but well, of course you can. Yeah, but you can't. You can't with Dale Murphy, and I, I think he should be in. And and the problem is now I don't even think. I mean, he's I'm sure long since been off the ballot. So I guess now it's up to. It's not even up to the stodgy writers anymore. It's probably up to the senior committee, the committee, and yeah. hopefully he'll get in. I mean, uh, the problem with the committee is a lot of times those guys, you know, are looking more a hundred years ago to to right wrongs. It'd be great if if they could write this wrong and get you know Dale Murphy in now while he can enjoy it and and have that recognition at the ceremony. I, I if if Dale Murphy ever goes into the Hall of Fame, that that might be enough to get me to go to the Hall of Fame for the first time like in my life. Like that would be something where I would consider making the pilgrimage to go see Dale Murphy get inducted. Really, that's very absolutely. Cool. That's very cool. I've I've. I've never been to an induction ceremony, but I've been to the hall four times with apologies to Canton, with I suppose apologies to Springfield, Mass., which I'm sure is wonderful. There's nothing like Cooperstown. There's nothing like that hall. There's nothing like that town. There's nothing. You talk, I mean, again, and, and, and the romance of baseball has gripped me since I was seven years old, so I probably see it differently than some. There's nothing. There's nothing like Cooperstown. Yeah, and I've told y'all I I was disappointed with Canton and the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I There's thought no comparison. Yeah, I thought it was lackluster to s- yeah. to say um, that honestly. But either way, I think I, knowing you, knowing you as long as I've known you, you would walk out of Cooperstown, jaw dropped, knowing you in tears. I'm just telling you, probably you 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 would walk out of and you couldn't wait to get back. I'm just telling you. I mean, I just, I know you. I mean, I'm just, you, you can't, can't believe it. Yeah. So then it is definitely night and day. The bus are cool, uh, but that's about, I think, it. They they try to tell some stories, but it, it's just football doesn't lay out like I feel like baseball does. For now the induction days. ceremony of football is really good because it's right, it's right before the season starts, and baseball is kind of during the dog days, and football's a way bigger deal than baseball. But the Hall of Fame is. So hopefully uh, one day the senior committee puts him in. Listen, I now think – I always thought it was – I always thought 
Pete Rose should be in. But now, that whole thing you said about you've done your time, well, now that betting, and I know it's legal now. Oh, Pete Rose should definitely be in. But now that betting is so much, so much in our con- our sports consciousness, nobody nobody fights it anymore. No. For forever, the pro sports, the college sports, they fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it. Well, nobody fights it anymore. If nobody's fighting it anymore, so now they cash the paycheck. From yeah, it. right. To let the hits leader in. Now, now you know. Now the one big difference, and obviously Pete Rose belongs in more than anybody that's not in. But Pete Rose also acted like a jerk. Through much of his time not in, Dale Murphy is the ultimate gentleman. I, I've told you this before. I think he's probably the nicest athlete I've ever interviewed, and I've interviewed Danny Werfel. I've interviewed some really, really nice guys. He, I think he's probably who's the nicest athlete you've ever the nicest guy. It's hard because there's a lot of them. Yeah. I, um. Boy, that's and that's hard to take. Would it be Calais? Calais would be certainly high. And some yeah. of these guys, some of these. I, I some tell of you, I mean, in terms there. of experiences, uh, uh, this was more of a coach. But in terms of experiences, two of the, mo- like I came away just amazed by how cooperative and awesome they were, were Mark Richt and Tony Dungy. Yeah, and they're, one, but, and they're two of the ones. But in terms of players, yeah, yeah, Calais would certainly be high on it. That's yeah. a great call. Yeah. Uh, Puzlozny was sensational. Right. Um, There's a lot of good people. It, and, and, I mean, we yeah. had Bobby Bowden. We had Gus Bradley. Right. We had a lot of yeah. talk about nice people. But, I mean, Dale Murphy, there was a there was a kindness with him. Maybe, maybe the nicest athlete I've ever known that reached those heights. I guess that's the best way to say it. There's a lot of nice athletes. You know what I mean? But – Kindest man that reached what most of us believe are Hall of Fame heights, you know. So we're just a wonderful guy, wonderful. So guy. they don't take Heisman votes away from Heisman voters, is that correct? What do you mean? Not really. Like once you're a Heisman voter, you're a Heisman voter for life. I think they pared it down a few years ago and and looked at it. I can but tell for the you, most they, part, they they. they I don't know go. if baseball yeah, the, was the same. Way. I will tell you with Heisman. No, I think baseball is really, really. Yeah, it's like the pro football. Yeah. I think it's a very tight number. Yeah, I can tell you with with Heisman voters because there's eight eight hundred of us. But they ask you, do you still f- cover it? Do you still talk about it? If you're a talk show host, do you still talk about it? If you're a writer, do you still cover? It? They do ask you that. Okay, almost like an uh, on an affidavit type way. You've got to say, you know, you know. I mean, I, honestly, if I retired and wasn't professionally talking about college football, I don't know that I should still should be voting. I don't know that I would vote. You know, I, I vote now because I talk about college football. Uh, is a profession on a on a daily basis in college football season, you know. So I think I do. So but it's interesting stuff. But anyways, um, one more time, Joe Maurer is in. I'm okay with it um, because he's one of the better catchers. Um, Todd Helton, I'm okay with it. He did hit 316 and was a very good hitter. Although in the ultimate hitters ballpark, I'm okay with it. I also would have been okay if neither one of them got in. Adrian Beltre belonged in. Adrian Beltre might be one of the top six third basemen of all time. I said this earlier in the show. I'll say it again. In my, in my opinion, it goes like this. Mike Schmidt, one. Brooks Robinson, two. George Brett, three. Chipper Jones, four. Eddie Matthews, five. That's my order of the top five third basemen of all time. Some other, somebody else may have a different order. That's my order. He might be sixth. And he might be the sixth in the history of the sport. He might be the sixth best, even though people don't know him. He might be the sixth best third baseman of all time. Might be that good a player. So anyway, all right, we'll take a break. More in a moment. Ten Ten Excel, ninety two point five FM. 
The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you on a Wednesday. Glad you stopped by. Trent Balky, the GM, will speak to the media tomorrow at 1130. You'll hear that right here on the radio station. Compliments of our friends at Jaguars.com. They also will stream it on their website on Jaguars.com. So if you want to see it by way of streaming, that's how you'll see it. If you want to hear it on the radio, you'll hear it right here. Hayes will be on hand uh, to ask some of the questions, as most of the uh, key media uh, folks will be. So that comes up tomorrow. And we'll uh, get a peek into uh, the mind of the general manager of the uh, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. The Jaguars, by the way, might be playing catch up to even the Patriots now because New England, brace yourselves, has just signed guard Michael Jordan. Wow. <laughs> yes. You know what? I'll tell you what. So, you gotta, no one if can I'm guard Trent Balky, you mean, better start. It's going to be hard to be. Because you, you're going to need a nose guard. You're going to have yeah. to double team him. Oh, you're yeah. Gonna a, you're going to need a nose guard, a tackle, yeah, an outside a, backer. I mean, you know? yeah, it's uh, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's big right there in Foxborough. Uh, oh, uh, but yes, guard Michael Jordan yeah. uh, is now a New England Patriot, which you, is kind of funny. You surprised by any of the higher – Brian Callahan surprised you at all? We didn't get to that yesterday. Just surprised you at all? The new no, because I can – Tennessee was going to have to hire a coach that could – harness Will Levis and my right. guess is Slowick told them probably no uh he probably feels like he's gonna get maybe a job with a little bit more of a a, a better sense of ownership and, and probably a better piece of clay to mold yeah um so uh I, I think with Callahan it makes some sense obviously his father Bill was he's seen it all so that's a good sounding board to have uh, he's been in Cincinnati for the entire run there. So, uh, you know, I, I think in, in terms of seeing that get built, um, I'm sure that was attractive to Tennessee. Uh, I, I'm not overly fearful that Brian Callahan got hired. I mean, if you had told me when they fired Vrabel that they'd hire Brian Callahan, I would have absolutely taken that. So, um, but I think it had to be an offensive mind because Tennessee is, I mean, you've got to look at it from their perspective. All right, we're in a division with C.J. Stroud, who looks like he could be a superstar, Trevor Lawrence, who might be good, uh, and we don't know what Anthony Richardson will be, but what if he's good? And so you really need somebody that can take Will Levis and, and give him the best scheme and environment to be a good player. Now, if he isn't, you know, you have to move on, but – I, I think it makes sense that it was an offensive mind. And, again, that, that's usually what you see. If you had the defensive guy and you soured on him, normally you're going to hire the offensive guy next time around. But I was glad it was Callahan and not Slowick. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where all of it goes. I still It looked like Harbaugh of the Chargers was done and hit a snag, doesn't it? Didn't it look like? I don't know about snag, but, it, boy, it feels like this has been way more drawn out than I would have anticipated it being. It slowed down. Now, Harbaugh strikes me as the kind of guy that could draw it out a little. But that one slowed down. Um, apparently, Vrabel is meeting again with the Falcons because the Falcons have interviewed every human now. Yeah, uh, all three hundred million Americans. The only person twice. Atlanta hasn't interviewed yeah. is Press Taylor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They've interviewed everybody in uh, in the in the NFL. 
Um, I'll say it again. I told you guys this last week. If it was, if I was Arthur Blank, I'd want Mike Vrabel ahead of Bill Belichick. I, I would, and that, and that's, uh, and, and that is no disrespect to everything Belichick has accomplished, but for the 2024 team, I'd rather have Mike Vrabel. Um, do you sense that the Falcons cooled on Belichick, or Belichick cooled on them, or somebody cooled on somebody? I think you they? have to. I mean, believe that because. I mean, they've now interviewed multiple people since the Belichick second interview. So it makes you wonder if the second interview was, look, this is what I'm looking for. And Atlanta was like, well, we're not really wanting to do that. So, you know, now, you know, we're going to we're going to keep interviewing people. So, you know, we'll see. And it it might be a, a situation where Atlanta is is trying to see if Belichick will blink first and maybe, you know, not demand personnel control. Belichick's in a tight spot here because I don't think he gets hired next year if he sits out. Uh, it's just it's hard for me to imagine uh, somebody in their 70s not doing it for a year and being away from the game and then being hired back in. Uh, I think he can – so he needs to get a job this cycle, in my opinion, or he's not going to break Shula's record. And so, uh, you know, I, I think if, if you're Belichick – I mean, who knows if, you know, again, if the Chargers thing in Harbaugh, if that falls through, then maybe that's where he ends up. Maybe it's, you know, Washington. I Although that, I mean, my point is, if it's not Atlanta, Belichick may start getting nervous about, well, I need to have a job. I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not catching Don Shula unemployed. Yeah, it, well, it'd be harder. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be absolutely. Way, it'd be way harder. No so question. I do think if you're Atlanta, you know, you're you're gauging that, and because I think the ideal would be Bill Belichick coaches your team, but you have somebody in charge of personnel. That obviously Belichick has a say, but is not the final voice on on personnel. Would probably be the best way to do it. Uh, and so maybe there's a little bit of saber rattling over that on both sides. Uh, but I would agree that it doesn't feel like. Uh, it doesn't feel like Belichick has a lot of momentum to Atlanta right now. And again, I'm sh- I, I think it, it comes down to Arthur Blank and, and his top lieutenants now in, in the football side of things, probably trying to convince him, look, we don't need Bill Belichick. We need a coach, a younger coach that can coach the team and we can still have our jobs and, and be in charge of personnel. I think the Falcons looked up and realized no one else was interviewing Belichick. And there's a reason for that. And Mike Vrabel's out there. I mean, apparently the Jeff Darlington just reported that Vrabel is going to be at Arthur Blank's house tonight to interview there with him personally, and then going to fly from in Atlanta, and then he's going to fly to Carolina and interview with the Panthers tomorrow. So he's got Arthur Blank's house tonight. You really need to fly from Atlanta to Charlotte? Uh, I guess if you're Mike Vrabel, you do. <laughs> so he's going to fly from Atlanta to Charlotte and interview with the Panthers. Um, by the way, just so you know, He's probably not in the back row. Okay, he's probably not in the middle seat on Delta. Just in case you want to know. Um, I mean, Mike Vrabel's out there. I, am, am but he's I, am been I, out there, am, and no one's hired him yet. I, if I lost my mind, Hayes, to think that how's Mike Vrabel still out there? Am I am I over am I overstating that? No, I think Mike Vrabel is uh, an outstanding head coach, and so I will be shocked if he doesn't get a job. I mean, shocked, and and I think he he probably will. So. Uh, again, and, and I thought it was interesting, you started to hear a little bit about Pete Carroll yesterday, finally, uh, in terms of this being uh, possibly linked to the Chargers if the Harbaugh thing falls through. Right. 
So uh, again, this is a carousel with depth, unlike anything we've seen. Now, a lot of the candidates are much older than your traditional ones, but they're so accomplished. It's to me, if if I was an owner, how do you not at least consider, you know, bringing these men in? Yeah. But you know, uh, you- I mean, if to me, if you got if you got Belichick, Harbaugh, Vrabel, or Carroll. I don't think you could be disappointed in any of that if you were a team looking for a new coach. The the guys that have never done it, they're roll of the dice. And by the way, 100% agree with that. By the way, I I do think the world has done this with us and thank God if you if you're if you're looking through my prism, thank God it's this way. I really do think maybe maybe it happens gradually and gradually. But the whole 70 is the new 50 or 60 whatever whatever the phraseology is. It's really more true than ever. Look, I mean, Pete Carroll certainly doesn't look like a guy that's in his 70s and over the hill, no, no matter what he wants to do. And Bill Belichick, whereas I think I'm, – I'm not – I say anti-Bill Belichick. I'm not opposed to hiring Bill Belichick because of his age. I'm opposed to hiring Bill Belichick because I don't know if he's got it anymore, just being honest with you. He's 4-13 and 13 last year, and part of that was personnel decisions. But I will tell you, Mac Brown got the job. At, I think even in the college space you're going to see it a little more, and it's harder because of the recruiting thing. But I even think in the college space you're going to see it a little bit more. I mean, I, I think, look, I'm 65 years old. I, I'm being honest with you, if you'd asked me 25 years ago when I was when I was 40, I didn't think I'd still want to work when I was 65 because everybody I knew retired when they were. You know what I mean? Seriously, yeah. I'm 65. I'm not going. To, unfortunately for y'all, I'm not going anywhere. You know. So yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I I just think I, I. You know what I mean? I think the world changes. Absolutely. You know, I think the I think life for anybody. I think the I think the manager at the at your local bank. Isn't retiring as soon as he is he, right. he would have before. People have gotten better at taking care of themselves. Right. I mean, on the whole, like I'm not obviously there's yeah. you know there's exceptions, exceptions. but I uh, if if you're serious minded, better. If, if yeah, if you love what you do, yeah, our nutrition is uh, is much better in in everything. So if 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 you're motivated, I uh, absolutely you can have incredible longevity and it's only going to get better for the next generation and the generation after that. Well, but that's right. And and so and how it affects us now is two 70-year-old really good NFL coaches, 70 plus, Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick are in play. I'd hire either one of them in a second. Yeah. And and I mean I'd love Vrabel too and I think Harbaugh will be great. I mean all like I said any of those four that's I think four are, pretty, are total home runs. That is four pretty but good choices. If I was an owner, yeah. I wouldn't even be talking to the Mike McDonald's and Aaron Glenn's and Ben Johnson and, and nothing against them. And and I'm sure some of them are going to end up being the next McVay and Channing. I mean, I I get that, but as an owner, I want a Super Bowl trophy. Same. And I would be looking at a coach that I, I believe Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, obviously Bill Belichick and obviously Pete Carroll can deliver the Lombardi trophy. Hard to argue, hard to argue any of that. Take a break. More in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings.
Bull Bucks. Yeah. Like, in case you're wondering what that was, in case before you hosted this segment, in case you looked at your mic and said, I wonder what that is. That's rock and roll is what that is, Lord, in case you're wondering. That's rock and roll, Carline. Is it uh is it like a ill informed ill informed's not the right word. Is it like if this is your favorite Springsteen song, yeah. are you kind of a poser? No, you know, because it's my favorite Springsteen yeah, yeah, song, I, I, but I don't know if like yeah, I, like there's certain bands where it's like uh, yeah, question. it's it's a popular yeah. song, but now nah, if you're a real fan, that, it's that, not your favorite that's song. That's a great question. I'm glad you know. Here's all I answer. I've never been a guy that says, "Oh, you don't know the deep cuts. You must not be a real fan." I'm not that guy. Yeah. I think this is his anthem. And it's okay for the anthem to be your favorite, your favorite song. song. Yeah. yeah I mean, Mel of Glory Days. And yeah, yeah. But to me, is, this is his best. It's, it's okay for the anthem to be. It's okay for the anthem to be. From in my opinion. Yeah. It's okay if the anthem is your favorite song. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. There you go. So, yeah. So, and it's a freaking great song. Great. Bob Costas interviewed him one time in the height of all the stuff with Costas doing all the interviews. And it was an hour-long interview. It was on a 60 minutes with NBC, whatever NBC look it is. And said. I mean, at the end of it, was like 20 minutes. It cost us because everyone's big. Are you tired of born? Are you tired of playing Born to Run? Springsteen goes a little. <laughs> and that's why when artists decide they want to play covers, I'm wrong. okay with it well, you're because wrong, right? I know that they've been playing some of the same songs for a long time, and they want to have that creative license. No one's ever covered this, right? No. I can't remember no. this ever being covered. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's an off top chance I'll fight you for bringing that up, <laughs> even asking that question. Okay? Has anybody recovered Born to Run? I mean, Did I, you just I, ask that? I think maybe Mud Honey covered Born to Run. <laughs> What's the Screaming group? Trees? What's the Smashing Smashing Hoops? Pumpkins. Yeah, well, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, of course they I have no idea if anyone has, but I certainly would have So if like Pearl Jam covered Born to Run, you would you would I kill would, Eddie Vedder? Yeah, and then I'd fight you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do. Uh, so and, and by the way, they are great friends. Yeah. They're like great friends. Uh-huh. So he'll know better. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, we're gonna talk about Florida Men's basketball now. Uh, Florida plays host of Mississippi State in a game that's very important for both teams. Somehow, some way, I, even though I know Florida seven and one at the Odome, I don't see a way that Florida wins this game, and see, I'm usually really? optimistic. Wow. See, I don't fun- see a way. Well, see, now I'm really concerned. Well, see, it's funny you said that. I think they're going to lose too. I don't. I don't know that I'll go. Don't see a way, but I think they're going to. They're good at home, and I want you to prove. Tell me how we're both wrong. Yes, please. Because I, I'm with Lauren on this one. I think they don't play well against physical, tough, physical big teams. And I think they're losing at home tonight. But please tell us we're idiots. Please. Yeah. I'm, well, no, I, I don't. Certainly it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Mississippi State uh, is incredibly physical. Now, I, I think Florida, this is a game where Todd Golden needs to tell Han Logden and Condon and Samuel, look, guys, you got 15 fouls in this game. Use them. Uh, because you've got to play physical against them or we have no chance. I mean, you've got to – I mean – Todd Golden's going to have to live with some foul trouble tonight because if you don't play aggressively, I think you're I think you're in for yeah, you're a lot of hurt. Um, but the positives: Mississippi State's zero and three in true road games, so I uh, so and that's Florida cer- just got its first road win. Yeah, so that that certainly helps. I uh, in uh, you know I, I think in in looking at it, it's it's a massive opportunity. Florida's a three and a half point favorite, but Vegas has overestimated the Gators like all year. Like they were favored to beat Kentucky at home. 
I think they were favored in another game that at they Ole lost. Miss. At, at Ole Miss. At yeah. Ole Miss. They were, that's right. They were favored at Ole Miss and lost. So Vegas hasn't had a good measuring stick on Florida, but they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite tonight, so maybe, you know, and, and obviously Vegas course corrects about as well as anybody, so maybe, you know, that's, that's a good sign. I mean, Vegas knows that Florida hasn't covered, so the fact that they're still installing them as a three-and-a-half-point favorite is, is a good sign. It's a, I mean, it's a gigantic bubble game. I mean, for both sides. Mississippi State is 40th in the net. Florida is 46th. That is, you couldn't get more of a bubble game. I mean, I guess if this game was being played March 10th, you could. But in terms of two teams that are right on the cusp of this thing, uh, Florida desperately needs this win being at home. Yeah, and Tolu Smith, one of the few basketball players in the country I could mention, uh, he killed Florida both times Florida played him last year. And it's not that they don't have some good size. They do this this time around, but they don't have anyone that can defend him, fouls or not. I just think he's going to go for 25 to 30, somewhere in that range. And I don't know if Florida can keep up. If Florida's to win, it's going to be Zion Poland and Walter Clayton hitting threes because that is the one thing that Mississippi State – doesn't do well defensively as they do allow a lot of three-point attempts. Now, not a lot of are made against them, but they do at least allow the attempts. And I'll say this. It's sold out. The the Florida fans have bought into Golden. Mm-hmm. They, oh, let me say this about Gator fan, Gator, Gator, Gainesville Gator fan. For as miserable as, as our alma mater has been, just as miserable both on football and basketball, you know what? The fans have trusted this. Have you noticed that? You've been to the football game, so you know. Oh, the Swamp is back. It's been incredible the last two years. Yeah, yeah and, and I think basketball, from what they say, I think I'm going Saturday. You oh, know? cool. So, so I think basketball is kind of – I think the fans trust this, you know. So I – so I, I They're at least excited. Yeah, yeah. I think the fans will be good tonight. And I uh, – and, and my biggest concern about the game tonight, to your point about Tulu Smith, is I worry about loose balls. They're more physical. You got Florida – you got to get the loose balls. Offensive rebounds, which is where Florida's made their living, are going to be Third harder. They're in the country. Tonight. Yeah, they're going to be harder now. The uh, uh, you, the tough physical teams usually win against other teams that try to play that way, and that's how Florida's trying to play. But listen, at some point, you can't just say, "Well, you got a lot of good pieces, and he's done a good job in the portal, and you're long, and you're long and athletic, and you're experienced." Sometimes you got to turn that into winning the game, and this is one of those. You, games. you, you get right. You got to turn it into winning the game, and that's and that's what this has to be. You need to win this game. If you're legit at all, you win this one. Yeah, I, I can live with losing at Ole Miss and losing at Tennessee and losing at home at Kentucky, even though you you played well in that game. But you can't lose this one. If you lose this one at home, you're in trouble, and you're not legit. Yeah. You're, you're not legit. You're not. I mean, I look. I saw some. Sometimes I watched them play, and I thought this was a six or seven seed. I, 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 not now. They're now. Lenardi doesn't even have him in. Oh yeah, they, he doesn't even have him last four out. Oh, they're they've yeah. got work to do. Yeah, so, for sure. So you got to win this. Well, game. they don't have any wins of consequence. That's what's really hurting That's right. Florida That's is right. they have zero quad one wins. Because Michigan's not nearly as good as yeah. And FSU yeah. just and FSU lost. isn't very yeah. good. And I mean they're they're playing well in conference, but I in in looking at it, this is why I think Gators fans are excited about Todd Golden. They have slipped a little bit. But they're still 15th in the country in scoring offense. Right. They're averaging 84.8 points a game. Like, I think Florida fans, if you give us a, a basketball team that's top 15 in the nation in scoring, you're going to be allotted a lot of patience. I mean, that speaks to 
because he doesn't have Bradley Beal. I mean, he doesn't have Mike Miller or, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant. He doesn't have some one-and-done amazing player here. I mean, I don't think he has an NBA guy, uh, certainly not a lottery pick, on the roster. And the fact that they're 15th in the country in scoring obviously speaks to Todd Golden has a very sophisticated scheme and a, an effective scheme. If you look at the teams, the power of five teams that are ahead of them, so they're 15th in the country, but it's uh, Kentucky's two, Arizona's three, Alabama four, Iowa five, then you skip down, Purdue's eighth. I guess you'd count Gonzaga, but they're not – I mean, they're not really a, in the power conference, but certainly a power team. Uh, and then that's it. So, I mean, Florida, in terms of schools that play in, like, a massive conference, they're sixth in the country, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems but you like – got to turn it into wins. But it's got to turn yeah. into wins. Yeah, and so – and you made the point – you made the point before the Missouri game – if they're going to make a run, they had to win three in a row. Because they yes. were at Missouri, who's really not very good. Right. And then home against Mississippi State and Georgia, who are both having nice seasons, but shouldn't go into Gainesville and win. So that, that was the point. And so uh, mission accomplished game one. They really got to – I'm with you, Lauren. I don't think they're going to win. But I, I, I'm not convinced they're not going to win. But I don't think they're going to win. I, I guess I, I watched enough of Mississippi State beat Tennessee and then the way that Florida lost to Tennessee. Yeah, it's not that yeah. that's how it always works, but it's just that's how physical yeah. they are. And, and it, this is not a physical basketball team. Well, I will say they're, they're ninth in the country in rebound margin at plus 10. They've been great at that all year. Uh, so, again, maybe they surprise you guys tonight with their physicality. I mean, if, if they're – I mean, I'd take plus four tonight, um, but – I, I mean, again, if you're ninth in the country in rebounding margin, no one should come into your house and push you around on the glass. Well, and Kentucky didn't. Kentucky's one of the best teams in the country, and they didn't push them around. I mean, that was, that was a back-and-forth game. I mean, Mississippi State is plus six in rebound margin, so they're 32nd in the country. So, obviously, that's very good. Uh, but Florida is better, and they're at home. So, you've got the ninth-best rebounding margin team, hosting the 32nd best one. Here, here's the thing, too. I think if you, win, if you win these next two, to your point about three in a row, Hayes, if you win these next two, you're now 14-6 and six and 4-3. and three. But then you've got momentum that can carry you. Who cares if you lose to Kentucky on Wednesday? Right. That would be a house money game. Yeah, right. That's right. But then you got at A&M, which is winnable. You're probably not being – I think, I think Auburn's a Final Four team, so I don't think you're winning at home against Auburn. But then it's LSU. Then it's at Georgia. Then it's at Alabama, who's not as good as I thought. Then you got two Vanderbilt. Alabama, games. they're really good. But they, yeah, but they look yeah. awful against Tennessee. I, oh, okay. I, I, th- I, th- I thought Alabama against Tennessee. They're not yeah. even ranked now, so I, I, so they're not as good as I thought they'd be. That's interesting because yeah. in the net they're still incredibly high. Yeah, but they, they, I've watched them twice now. They're good. Yeah, but they're not, they're not, they're not what I thought they were. They're not Auburn. They're ninth in the net. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So, but you're right. They're twelve and six. Yeah. So they've played a really tough schedule. Yeah. Uh, but but then you got two Vanderbilt games. Then you have a, another Missouri game. I was very very surprised how Missouri wasn't any better than that. You South gotta, Carolina beat Kentucky last night. Yeah, that but, was surprising. But you 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 they'll they'll beat South Carolina. I I even though it's there. Uh, then you then you get Alabama at home. Uh, so the 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 schedule's not easy. The SEC is really good. But there's win there's there's if you get through if you get to fourteen and six and four and three. Now you caught your breath, yes. and you're still in the mix. Absolutely, with the schedule not being as hard as it was to start the SEC season. That's the point, right? And it's not, a and, and really, to be honest, you if they can just get one of those games that we talked about, whether it's at Kentucky, home against Auburn, and then two games against Bama, 
if you go one in three, that's probably enough to get you in. But they've got to have at least one of those. Well, they, you you and, need that big, nice, juicy top ten win and you can't mess on up. your resume. And you can't mess up. You yeah. know, uh, between two Georgia games, two Vanderbilt games at South Carolina, home against Missouri, that's not six and zero. Oh. But it better be five and one. Yeah. It better be four and two, or you're, you're you're in some trouble. So we'll see. We'll take a break. Back to football. One hour to go. This is ten ten XL and ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on ten ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football. Football at five. Five o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. these guys don't yeah pro this is one of the best rock albums i think of my lifetime this is their debut don't even think about going born to run okay but but i will say this i think they've got the chops i was gonna say this um they don't you're wrong (laughs) but um i would say this little band probably has a few of their own that they probably don't need to do a lot of covers right one or or two of their own would you say yeah um, this is probably honestly and again i my, my my rock music um knowledge Pretty much ends after the 70s. I'm honest enough to maybe yeah. a few 80s bands, but I'd say once you got beyond the once you got beyond the 70s, I would say this band and you two were probably the greatest band. Is that, is that? It would be yeah, certainly very high up on the once list. Once you get once you if you said you two in the 80s and Pearl Jam after that, that'd be close, right? Yeah, and you two even had great music in the 90s. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they yeah did. I mean, so they've had both bands have had great longevity. I think uh, if you're talking about like from 1990 on, yeah. uh, Green Day would probably get a Green, lot of support. The 90s Green Day would be a yeah. But they've made they, their 2000s were great. Yeah. The Boulevard of Broken Dreams, and, which is a great album. Yeah, I mean, so they uh, and uh, Amer- but American Idiot's a great album. Yeah, uh, Coldplay would probably get a lot of support. Now, all Coldplay, all I know is the hit. They haven't. Well, yeah, and, and they it seems like they haven't. They're probably due to release something because it doesn't feel like they've had new music in years. So I don't know if they're still even a thing, but yeah. Um, but yeah. What about bands it, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean they yeah. uh, they got started in the '80s, but yeah, the, in the '90s you'd have they had their yeah. best album was in the '90s, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and they in the 2000s were still making good music. Suzanne Frangie checks in from the backyard. Says Aerosmith, but more of a '70s. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah they would. '70s band. Yeah, okay, so yeah. I mean, Permanent Vacation is an '80s record, and it's great. Uh, but their heyday, their peak would have been, or certainly their stardom my would have been before they. My ate. wife loves her from Aerosmith. She was telling the story a bunch of us went to dinner the other day of how she was grabbing Steven Tyler's leg <laughs> at the uh, concert here in town. So, so that is exactly that is what happened. So there you go. Hey, um, tomorrow Trent Balky meets the uh, media. Hey, give us an overview of what your expectations are. Questions he'll be asked. Uh, how long will it go? How detailed? What, what are your? And again, we'll play. Again, let me remind you. You can hear that entire press conference on the radio station tomorrow if you listen on the radio. If you listen, if you, you want to hear the stream of it, jaguars.com. Uh, the, the Jaguars digital team, which does such a good job, will have that for you as well. So those are your options to hear it. 
And then if you don't, we'll certainly talk about it. Uh, you know the primetime gang. Uh, Mike and Tony will talk about it if it's over by then. But if not, the primetime gang will, and so will we. So uh, a lot of coverage of the Trent Baalke presser. What are your expectations? Uh, yeah, I would think you're looking at probably 25 minutes of, of Trent fielding questions. I'd be surprised if it goes longer than that. I, you know, I think in that time frame, the, what you're going to see is, again, uh, his take on the collapse and why it happened. I uh, looking forward. Does he feel like he's been passed by Houston? And how do you make up that ground? Uh, he's certainly going to be asked specifics about Josh Allen's, you know, contract, his future here, Calvin Ridley in terms of the tag. Uh, he's going to be asked about his thoughts on Press Taylor as play caller. I uh, I think he's going to be asked his involvement, if any, in the Nielsen hire. Cam Robinson is is you know certainly somebody who Balky has defended publicly. You know, he's going to be asked about is Cam Robinson's contract number too high to bring back? Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence struggled, took a step back this season. You know, what's his thoughts on that? Is Was it the injuries? Was it the, you know, offensive line, the, the circumstances around him? Or was Trevor Lawrence, you know, culpable for some of it? I, I, I think all that. Luke Fortner, is he your week one center? Uh, is is that the plan? And and then obviously you get into the rest of the offensive line and the defensive front. So we're going to – I mean, we're not going to run out of questions. I mean, it's going to end because the Jaguars say – would. I mean, again, my guess, I mean, is is they'll say, okay, a couple more and, and then we'll be done. Because, I mean, to be honest, I, I think he could be up there for 63 minutes like Bill's GM Brandon Bean was, and he'd probably still be getting questions. There's just so much ground to cover. Uh, but I would think, you know, that would be 10 examples of things that I think will be uh, will certainly be on the table to be asked about. Yeah, I think Hayes had a lot of it. The biggest personnel decisions, as we all know, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, Cam Robinson. Is he going to speak to any of those? And in any detail, we'll find out. I think defensively, you have a new defensive coordinator. The personnel, are they switching schemes from the 3-4 that Mike Caldwell ran to a 4-3? Does the personnel that they have fit Ryan Nielsen's scheme? And the rookie class, I mean, he drafted guys that didn't get a lot of playing time. Yeah. What did he think about that as far as his evaluation is concerned? I, I don't – and I said this at the top of the program when we started the show with this. I'll, I'll reiterate it now, and we'll see how close we are tomorrow, I suppose. Um, any GM, not just Trent, any GM would be in a, in a circumstance here where you can't give away your plan. You, are you going to – are you keeping Cam Robinson? The answer will be we think the, we think the world of Cam. Uh, we're not in position to make any decisions right now. We'll we'll collaborate on that as a staff. Uh, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, you know you know those answers. We 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 know those answers. I think the things he can answer can answer and will are tomorrow or where we what went wrong what went wrong, and from a personnel standpoint, what do you have to do differently now to keep it from going wrong again? Now that's a question I would ask him. Is what what do you and and again, I think we all and by the way. A big part of what went wrong were, were were the uncontrollables, the injuries and whatnot. But I, uh, but yeah, I th- I think the lack, the one question, Hayes, the lack of physicality down the stretch had a major effect on the football team. At the very last game, they couldn't tackle Derrick Henry. The last month of the season, they really couldn't run the ball. Run, yardage they made on the ground at the end was the yardage Travis Etienne made on his own. I think everybody would agree with that. Um, I think all those things are in play, but I would think 
the concerns with physicality, don't they have to be really prominently discussed tomorrow with Trent Baalke? I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, again, this is a this is a team that profoundly disappointed, yet is still, I would think, minor tweaks away from potentially getting back to uh, being in contention to win the division. But those steps have to be taken, and 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 I think they have to be aggressive. They just weren't aggressive last off season. They weren't aggressive. I, I know he tried to trade up in the draft uh, once we got deep into it. But taking Brenton Strange and Tank Bigsby were not aggressive draft picks. They were, okay, we're going to let these guys develop their four-year contracts, and they're going to help us down the line. If they have redshirt years, they have redshirt years. Well, that was a mistake. I mean, you the, clearly they underestimated what Houston and Indianapolis could be, and it cost them. The Texans overtook them. And – uh, and we saw it in their reluctance to do anything to supplement their pass rush. I mean, there were so many. I mean, we were going down the list all offseason. Even when somebody would sign, to be like, well, that's okay because there's still Clowney and Van Noy right. and guys like that available. They just did nothing. And then you get to the end of the year and you see how meager Chason's contributions were. And you're like, what were you doing? Like, they just were on cruise control. Uh, and it, it – it's unacceptable. wasn't good enough, and and they need to be, they need to be hitting the accelerator, weaving in and out of traffic. The Jaguars need to be bad drivers this off season. They need to be bad drivers rushing to get to their destination. That's how they have to approach this off season because Houston's well ahead of them, in my opinion. Speaking of the Jaguars defense, Tom Pelissero tweeted out that the Jaguars are hiring Matt House as linebackers coach. He is highly regarded around the league, having been the Chiefs linebackers coach from 2019 to 2021. He was most recently LSU's defensive coordinator the past two seasons. Okay. He, so a good addition for the Jaguars defensive staff. And it sounds like to me, and it's a question for Trent tomorrow, uh, Hayes, it sounds like to me, to me, and I'm, and I'm glasses half full guy, they're not screwing around with this. That that it sounds. I, I, what have I told you guys? I've screamed this into the mic from the minute Doug Peterson got off the podium, uh, and we found out an hour later that that whole staff was gone. This is their window. Whether they're right or not about that, then we'll see. And certainly, there are personnel decisions they have to make. There, there are clearly personnel decisions that they absolutely, unequivocally, undeniably have to make. Personnel decisions that if they don't get better at the lines of scrimmage, if they don't get better at a few other spots, then they're not going to be a great football team. But what you just read, the the, the caliber of coach that I think is coming in here, I, Hayes, I think they believe this is their window. I believe this is their go-for-it moment. I, in all my heart, I believe that. I really do. And you, you, that's another question for Trent tomorrow. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and, so, uh, and it should be. The window should be open. I mean, you have Trevor Lawrence who's yet to hit the peak of his career. The problem is they have not harnessed him well enough, and they haven't put enough around him. Uh, the offensive line was substandard, uh, and and obviously you had some unfortunate injuries. Christian Kirk derailed the season uh, on something that just was a freak play, just you know turned the wrong way, twisted the wrong way at the wrong time, and uh, and got hurt. So I, I I don't think they're eons away. I mean I I think they're a mediocre team. So I mean if you're a mediocre team. You're not all that far away from being a good team. But I don't think they're a good team. I can't say that after watching the collapse. I, I think they're a mediocre team. 
and they need to treat it as we're a mediocre team that has the chance to be good, but we have to go make our breaks and be aggressive with personnel decisions. Uh, by the way, I haven't agreed with you on much of this postseason stuff. I think that's dead on. You treat it like we're a 9-8 and eight team. That's one game over. You don't treat it like you're some 12-5 and five team because you weren't. You treat it like a team that's got a chance to be very good, got some really good pieces and some exciting pieces. But if you're in that window, you damn sure better be aggressive. You bet. And if that means a lot of change, it means a lot of change. I hear you. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Not, not one bit. No, I don't either. There's a lot of room for improvement. We watched the divisional round this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those teams have a lot better weapons on yeah. offense and defense yeah. than the Jaguars did this past season. I like a lot of the pieces more than I think probably both of you do. I like I like their their possibilities. I think the coach is fantastic. I think the quarterback had, had, had fell off a little bit, but he's going to be fantastic. I like the receiver room. I like the running back room. I think the secondary is okay. But make no mistake about this. To Lauren's point, you just made that's four damn good teams that are playing them Sunday now. That's, you're not where they are. You know, that's four damn good teams. Hayes, you said it. Treat it like you're a nine and eight team. Treat it like you're a nine and eight team, which isn't all that different than an eight and nine team, which would have a losing record. Yeah, I keep saying winning record. I'm aware that one more loss would have been a losing record. So, yeah. so, so I get it. I get it. Yeah, that's, that's we got a FSU schedule. Yeah, you do not. Yeah, FSU but, football schedule so just don't, popped. Don't read it yet. Yeah. I was, my next segment, I, and I know you're excited about the ACC schedule. <laughs> so, so when we come back, Hayes Carline, he hails from the Bowl School, is going to uh, go through the ACC schedule starting with the Knowles. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. My wife's still listening. You just became her favorite person on the show. Just so you know, okay? <laughs> I take my wins. She'll, she'll, uh, she'll be. Uh, yeah, this would be a long time for her to listen. Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes would be a long stretch. Twenty minutes would be a long stretch. But uh, hang on, hang on. Uh, she, as I say that, she just said good song. Okay. Oh. See there, RJ. You just became my wife's favorite person on the. Uh, They're like gorgeous outside today. Yeah, it is a beautiful day. Just so different, obviously, from their past few weeks. And the cold is fine, too. But yeah, when yeah. you're going to deliver us 70 degrees and, and our, sunny, I'll take it. And our dog's a psycho. So they'll be out there playing fetch for, like, forever. I mean, he's dog, not a psycho. He's oh, a puppy he's, who loves to run around. No, he's a psycho. But he's a great, he's a sweet he's psycho. He's a, a very cute psycho. He's right. a psycho, yeah. Hayes is around him a lot. He'll jump on your head. He'll jump on your shoulder. He's great. He's, he's, he's a psycho. Ball of energy. He's a psycho. He's a wonderful psycho. But he's, like, he, like he, he's our psycho. But he's a psycho, nonetheless. Uh, Florida State's football schedule. Hey, you want to run through it? Yeah, I do. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a it's a tester. This league has really kind of elevated itself because anytime you can add SMU, Stanford, and Cal, uh, it, it it's taken Murderer's Row to a whole new level in terms of the the competition let me, let me what, that go is going to exist in this league. You go on the road and play in the Bear Den. Ah, uh, okay. It's going to be. Which school is that? Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't, <laughs> Cal's the Bears, yeah. and I'm just giving him the nickname Dan. Right, okay, yeah. you go, you go on the road. I got the I've never heard of it. Okay, right. the Bear Den. Okay. By the way, the schedule okay. as you're about to get to starts seven months from today. That's right. Okay. It'll be here before you know it. Let me um, say, well, you go play at the Mustang Stable. <laughs> 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 you know what? You b- bring your and A-game. they do. Bring, bring, 
Did they the Knowles are heading to SMU, sports fans. Uh, I mean, this is. Do you want to throw in Stanford? Yeah, you know, I don't know what a cardinal is. It's kind of a color, right? Yeah, so, and they've got tree? like trees. Is yeah. it a tree? Okay, the let, me just, let me say this. You play at the Cardinal Grove. <laughs> you know what you better bring? I thought there was right. Bring your grove. A game, okay? So um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, if I was a judge and I looked at this schedule, I would say, you guys are out of the grant rights. Uh, case dismissed. Florida State is. Florida totally State free right, and to go right. wherever they want to go. Uh, Read it off to us. So here we go. So Florida State, this one we knew about. They open uh, against Georgia Tech in Dublin. Okay. Uh, so they're the that's the only ACC game. That's the Week Zero game. Then Florida State on Labor Day night will host Boston College. Uh, that'll be BC's first game of the season. Uh, and so then Florida State has an open date, September 7th, uh, which is good because they welcome in the Memphis Tigers after that bye week. So it's good that you have, you know, two weeks to get ready for Memphis. Three uh, buys is crazy. Uh, then they will host Cal and what I can whoa, only whoa, imagine whoa. will be the greatest football rivalry of the next 25 years. Wait a minute. you you telling me they don't go to the Bear Den? They do not. Cal has to make the trip from Berkeley to Tallahassee okay. for a conference matchup. FSU is going to That be, makes a lot of sense. FSU is going to be Cal 78 to nothing. Oh, yeah. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I would agree. Seven, eight, nothing. Yeah, you couldn't give me Cal in like yeah. 45 and a half right yeah. now. And by the way, here, here's how lucky Cal, Stanford, and SMU are. They joined the league when FSU got good again. Yeah. They couldn't mean it five years That's ago. That's a great point. Cal's probably saying couldn't, we couldn't right. have joined it five years ago. Why couldn't we get Taggart's Knowles? Right, yeah. exactly. They get the good Knowles. Cal went uh, six and seven last year. That's better than a certain team I know. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, well, then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the Gators went to the Bear Den, they get their ass kicked. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I can't deny it. Uh, so after uh, thwarting Cal at home, Florida State will travel to the house of horrors known as SMU. Well, uh, uh, do you mean the Mustang Stable? The Mustang Stable. Okay. And then, uh, and then they, they now it gets good. So then now we can be serious. Yeah, Clemson comes calling uh, on October fifth to Tallahassee. So no bye week before Clemson. Uh, it'll be uh, Florida State's fourth game in four weeks. So still not not not. Too bad. Clemson also does not have a bye week before they uh, play FSU. They host Stanford. Uh, so hopefully there'll be a, enough left over of Clemson after they get through Stanford. Uh, Can't see the forest to the trees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after hosting Clemson, Florida State has a bye week. This is their second bye week. Then they go to Duke on, uh, I think it's a Friday it's a, night it is game. A Friday. Uh, then they go. What's, th that, what's that date? October 18th. Uh, yeah, okay. October 18th. Yeah. So this is where it actually – this is a fairly difficult three-game stretch. So then Florida State will travel to Miami, okay. host North Carolina, and then go to Notre Dame. Yeah. So those are three that's, games that – that's legit. Yeah, are and, and pretty Clemson's legit games. Legit too. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, who knows what Miami will be and what North Carolina will be without Drake May. And no, I mean, it could be three games in which the highest-ranked team is 17th, but it could be. Potentially that could be three – Difficult games uh, all in a row. After going to Notre Dame, Florida State is off on November 16th if you're looking to get married. Uh, and then uh, – on the check the other schedules in football before you do yeah. that. And then uh, November 23rd, I don't even recognize this logo. It's Charleston Southern. Okay, Charleston Southern. And then they host the Gators on November 30th. And, and so they have – I'd say they have five games that if they didn't play well, they could – legitimately lose are you counting florida uh yes <laughs> yeah so four games if they don't yeah, play well probably they, you're they, right they right um i mean i mean i think they'll be favored in all of these games right. but because i would think florida state 
probably the hardest game is at Notre Dame. Yes. But I would think Florida State would be a would be the favorite in that game. All depends. Um, but uh, if Riley Leonard's playing really well. Yeah. So I would say like the games that are probably somewhat in the toss up category, where it's either toss up or you lean to FSU, would be home against Clemson, at Miami, home against North Carolina, at Notre Dame, and home against Florida. So in looking at it. There's really no reason Florida State shouldn't go ten and two, maybe nine and three. Anything below nine and three, I think, would be a real surprise. Yeah, I uh, I can tell you, I don't think the schedule is very hard, and I think Florida State is going to be really good. I, I think they've turned the corner. I think they're back to being the Knowles. I I really do, man. I um, I mean, I and again, I we joke. We truth is, we don't know how good Stanford or Cal or SMU will be because we don't see them. Very, it's not like the ACC and SEC teams that we see very often. But I can't imagine many of those teams hanging around with what I think the Knowles would become. I'm serious about that. I can't imagine many of those teams hanging around with what I think the Knowles would become. I, I think it's going to be – I mean, I, I don't I, – I think I, – my gut tells me, and I may be dead-ass wrong, that despite losing all those guys, he's got that thing built, Hayes. I, I feel like – I feel like, like you said earlier – it's all you're almost caught without knowing anything else. Now that the playoff is twelve teams, not four, knowing the resistance, watching how he built that thing, watching how good he is in the portal, you said it a couple of weeks ago. I'll say it now. I'm almost comfortable saying FSU will be in the playoff. Yeah. I, I'm almost comfortable saying that. Yeah, I I would pick FSU to make the twelve team I, playoff. I mean, right, for sure. right right now, right now, if you ask me, the teams I'm most comfortable saying that about, and that includes who they are plus who they play. I would say Georgia's first. Georgia's first on my most comfortable they'll be in the playoff list. All right. Um, you always feel like Ohio State, Michigan are in that conversation. Yeah, Michigan will see. What yeah, Ohio State for sure this but, year. With yeah, yeah, but Ohio State, Ohio State, for, State sure. for sure. But, I'll, but you're right, Ohio State for sure. Um, after that, who else you're confident will be in the playoffs? It's hard because you can't even put Alabama in that category, in my opinion, anymore. Because right. you now, don't know what Kalen DeBoer will be there. Because you don't know. So, right. so I, I would say, given the resistance, I would say they still do have Jalen Milrow, though. Yeah, that's. But I would. Say, you're right. But I would say, but he could be a disaster. Jo- um, DeBoer. Yeah, but, not Milrow's right. good. But sure. Texas, but I, I think you should put in the Texas category. should Texas, be in. Georgia would be high on my list. Ohio State, Texas, uh, the teams I'm certain will be. And then FSU's got to be right there because I'm counting the resistance plus yeah. him, plus what they've done. So I, that'd be very high on my confident they're going to be in the playoff list. I, I agree. I, I'll say this for Miami's schedule. I really like how it breaks down, uh, particularly if they can go to the Swamp and win on August 31st because if they can win at Florida, then they get a couple real easy games. Uh, then they go to South Florida. Uh, they host Virginia Tech. They do have to go to Cal, so it's a long trip, but I, I think they'll beat Cal. Then they have a bye uh, before going to Louisville, and then they play uh, home against FSU, home against Duke, at Georgia Tech, bye week on November 16th, and then home against Wake Forest at Syracuse to wrap up the season. So They don't have and, to go to the Bear Den? They do well. Yes, they do. They don't. They don't have to go to the Mustang stable. But they go to the Bear Den. They do go to the wow. Bear Den. Good luck uh, there. Yeah. So, so much for that undefeated. And they season. don't play the Forest. Okay. <laughs> so much for the undefeated yeah. seasons. But I got to right. say. So, but I mean, you look at that. If they can beat Florida, then they should start six and zero. I would think because I don't think Virginia Tech or Cal is is really all that good. Uh, so six and zero going into your bye, and you come out of the bye six and zero with 
at Louisville, home against FSU upcoming. So it seems like if you're Miami, you'd have to look at that and be pretty confident. And if you're a Miami fan, you have to think you're winning in the swamp. I can't imagine that they, I think they do. hurricane fans aren't extremely confident yeah. about that game. Yeah, I think they are. I, th- I don't know that they were necessarily before Cam Ward came on board, but I think the moment that that news broke, then I think, yeah, they are very confident now. We'll take a break. Uh, Lauren's got news and notes to wrap the program. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. You call them cool. Those hearts that have no scars to show. The ones that never do let go. And risk the tables being turned. Well, I'm not doing news and notes anymore. Oh, my goodness. That really is a good song. <laughs> I'm with you. RJ's had a good – how would you grade RJ today? A, a, a plus. A plus plus? Absolutely. RJ, this has been a phenomenal music day for you today. Just phenomenal. Thank you. Phenomenal music day. I'm going to start asking more music questions Yeah. in the beginning of the show and letting RJ just take over from there. Gosh, it's a great song. Yeah, if you've never heard this one by Garth Brooks, Standing Outside the Fire, it's uh, one of those that has really impactful lyrics in addition to being a fun song. Uh, Hayes, have you ever seen Garth Brooks? I know you're not a country guy, but have you ever seen him? Uh, in concert? Yeah. No. You, you, uh, but, but I'm telling you, you would love I'm yeah. kidding. You. Tom Fridley told me this. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying I wouldn't yeah. like go yeah. if somebody <laughs> like paid for my but, ticket but and I'm gave me you. a limo Tom, and free Tom, drinks. Tom Fridley told me that... Uh, he said, "That's the one yeah. guy actually see, did he, he didn't like. He didn't know the music. You, yeah. You'd love the performance. Yeah, you'd I'm sure I'd love the party of it and the performance. The way he, the way he performs. I mean, yeah. I, like you've heard Colin Baton Rouge enough, yeah. because of LSU and everything. Like that song, you know. I don't know that you'd know it. But anymore. I mean, he, but he is probably. I mean, Springsteen's on that list. Mick Jagger's on that list. But as far as performing, he's top five guy. Yeah. Friends in low places. You probably yeah. know that one. Too. Thunder rolls. Thunder rolls. Yeah." yeah. All right, I mentioned it earlier. The Jaguars are hiring Matt House as linebackers coach coming from LSU. Uh, Demetrius Harvey tweeted this out of the Times Union. House coached Josh Allen at Kentucky as the team's defensive coordinator from 2017-2018. So, Hayes, if I'm reading between the tea leaves, that means Josh Allen's definitely going to be here next year, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, It's an interesting hire because, I mean, LSU's defense was horrific. Uh, So, again, it's it's one of those that's – you know, a little bit of a head scratcher, I think, but uh, this is to be the linebackers coach, so it's not exactly a, a position where you know he's making a lot of decisions in game. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a staff. I mean, they're they're putting together a staff here. <laughs> that they are, and if you missed it earlier, General Manager Trent Balky will meet with media tomorrow morning at eleven thirty. You can either listen to that here on ten ten a.m. or ninety two point five FM. Or you can watch it on Jaguars.com, but we will not stream it on the apps, uh, so that's your fair warning. By the way, have we discussed the compensatory picks on this show? The fact that the Jaguars we did like initially, them? like uh, almost a year ago, okay, and so yeah. yeah, that they would. We knew the projections, and so and a third and a sixth, a third and a sixth, which is uh, they were kind of thinking maybe they'd get a seventh for Manhurts, uh-huh. uh, and they did not. But uh, but yeah, they get the third for Jawan Taylor and the uh, sixth for Arden Key. So it'll be good. nice. It'll be nice having a couple yeah. extra picks, particularly since the third. You know, particularly. They're, yeah, their third they're going to lose in the uh, Ridley trade. Yes. 
So they just they'll move from the middle part of the third round to the back part of the third round. So, um, yeah, it's good that they'll still have, you know, picks in, in the first three. Absolutely. All right, Frank, I saw this stat and I could not believe it. And there's a few reasons for it, but still the stat's amazing. Patrick Mahomes enters Sunday's AFC Championship game with more postseason passing touchdowns. He has 38. Then the Ravens franchise, they have 37. How about that stat? He's got more than the franchise. More than the franchise. Now, like I said, there's a few reasons for that. Granted, they haven't always been the Ravens. Right. And the Ravens, when really successful, love to run the football. But Patrick Mahomes, as a just a single human being, has 38 postseason passing touchdowns. The Ravens, as a franchise, have 37. That's one of the most amazing stats I've ever heard. I, I had no idea that he's had more than the franchise. Well, in, in the thing – of it as well is, I mean, it's not like the Ravens are slouches. They've won two Super Bowls. Right. So it's it's not like we're talking about a club that hasn't fared well. I mean, John Harbaugh's postseason record is is over 500. And uh, so, I mean, they've done a nice job. But, but yeah, their style has always been more ground and pound in the tournament than Flacco had. The, the year they won the Super Bowl with Flacco, he played out of his mind and, and hit, uh, hit some nice uh, touchdown throws. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, for the most part. It's still amazing. I mean, and, but I would imagine that Patrick Mahomes probably has thrown more postseason touchdowns than a lot of clubs. Well, 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 that, well that's I right. Mean, that's right. And, but th- and think about this stat. I know we've had this last week, Lauren, but the stat, I think you had it for us, Mahomes with uh, all-time playoff wins. I think you had that maybe mm-hmm. news in us last week at one point. Think about this. If they, if they win su- Sunday, he'll be tied – Am I right about this? He'll be that'll give him fourteen, and he'll he'll be yes he'll have fourteen if they win the AFC championship. So he'll he'll move ahead of Favre, Roethlisberger, Staubach, and Aaron Rodgers. Oh my goodness! Okay, he'll move ahead of them, and the only two people behind him then, ahead of him, they'll be Brady and Montana. Have you seen this stat? Yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible. So so he'll 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 have fourteen. Uh, Mont- he'll be two behind Montana with sixteen. How many Brady's got? 37. 35. Oh, yeah. He's, so, I mean, think about that. It, Mahomes is 14, will be behind only Brady and Montana. Montana's got 16. <laughs> Tom Brady's got 35 postseason wins. It's amazing. Well, to your point, as far as postseason passing touchdowns, I don't have franchise records, but Patrick Mahomes is sixth so far on the NFL all-time postseason passing touchdowns list. He's behind Peyton Manning. So, I just told you, Peyton, uh, Patrick Mahomes has 38 postseason passing touchdowns. Peyton Manning has 40, so he's only two behind Peyton. He'll obviously eclipse him at All some right. point soon. Brett Favre has 44. He'll get him. Aaron Rodgers has 45, and Joe Montana has 45. So he'll, he'll, he'll eclipse all of them. Right, right. Guess how many Tom Brady has. Postseason passing touchdowns. Okay, what would you say the last number was? Montana and Aaron Rodgers have 45. And that's the best. That's the most that's right the now. Se- that's, that's tied the for second. Yep. 70? Good guess. Oh, he's got to have, I would think, more if he won 35. This is Tom Brady mm-hmm. postseason touchdown passes? Postseason, yep. Well, if he won 35 games, and he, we know he lost some, I'd say it's probably, I'll go 105. 88, so wow. I'll split the difference. Wow. But, yeah, 88. The next two, Joe Montana and Aaron Rodgers have 45. That's an, that's an, I, I never thought about it till I saw those two stats, that one and the one about postseason wins. It's truly amazing. That is. Last Incredible. stat for you uh, before we hit some takeaways. Teams that have defeated Josh Allen and the Bills in the playoffs have lost their following game the last four seasons. So the 2019 Texans lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round. 2020 Chiefs lost in the Super Bowl to the Bucks. 2021 Chiefs 
lost in the AFC Championship to the Bengals. In 2022, the Bengals lost in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. Everyone who defeats the Bills the next week loses. So if you're Ravens fans, you're clinging to that stat going, here we go. We are going to take out the Chiefs because they just beat the Bills. Wow. It's amazing. 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 Again, and we started the program with this. If, If Patrick Mahomes wins two more games, the the way he will dominate sports personality, the way he'll be first, the gap after him in any other sports person in, in America, the the gap the gap between he and whoever you decide is second is LeBron still second is I don't who I, who's second in sports people in America if he wins again who's second honestly this is gonna sound terrible but it might be Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it might be. It might, might be. be Travis Kelsey. Might be. No, that doesn't sound terrible. It might be. Yeah. I say because it, yeah. I I would have said that before the Taylor Swift stuff, but yeah. now with all that but, but combination. It, you're talking about popular. I'm talking about just accomplished and popular. No, I, I both. I mean, I mean, LeBron's still LeBron, but he's faded. Yeah. Um. There's nobody in the NBA. There's no baseball guy. You yeah. know, Shohei, Shohei would be close if the team – yeah, I don't know. Wow. I mean, if Shohei wins the championship with the Dodgers maybe in a year. That's right. That he's, you know, then, if, he's, then he, he gets to second, a distant but, second. Yeah, yeah, but it's – I mean, it's Mahomes' world, no yeah. doubt about it. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is that I'm excited to hear from Trent Baalke tomorrow and, and what his message is to the Jaguar-paying customers out there that have invested a lot of money, a lot of their disposable income in this franchise and, and deserve answers to a lot of questions. So, again, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, Luke Fortner, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Press Taylor, Ryan Nielsen, it's, it's Cam Robinson. There's a lot of ground to go over, uh, and it'll be interesting to get – kind of the tone from the Jaguars general manager over, are they now in chase mode? Is that how he views it with the Texans? Hopefully it is. Uh, and, and how does he view last season's ridiculous collapse? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of good information, at least good questions asked. We'll see if the information uh, that comes back is going to be telling. Uh, my takeaway is going to be the ACC schedule came out today and if you didn't remember, Stanford, Cal, and SMU are all part of the ACC, so that will take some getting used to. But the fact that the Knolls begin the college football season August 24th, usually the first or the last week in August is week zero. August 24th, we get college football. I feel like that's earlier than ever. In FSU Dublin? takes on, yeah, Georgia Tech in Dublin. Let me just say this. If, um, if FSU, the Knolls, mm-hmm. are playing where they invented Irish whiskey, if Blue doesn't go, it's going to end the friendship. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, if Blue doesn't go to that game, the friendship's over. I mean, I mean, I, I'm just saying. I'm saying if he doesn't go, I mean, I'm just saying. Let's find been, out. It has been a friendship for a long time. I'm gonna tell you that. Let's say, <laughs> let's say hello to a big question now to Rick Blue. Now the two minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com/careers. Equal opportunity employer. Did you know Aer Lingus flies from Boston to Dublin? I didn't. I hope you're going. Not. Not going to go. What do you mean you're not going to go? I'm not, I'll tell you why I'm not going to go. And we've been friends for it's, a while, and you should, p- know, you should of, know why I'm not it's going. It's pissing me off, but go ahead. Tell me why. You know you know I love training camp. Right. You right. know I love going down there every also day. Also, you love Irish whiskey and the Knolls, but please continue. You know I love going down to the Miller Electric Center every day and sweating and watching camp and being able to come here and talk about it. If I go to Dublin City, Ireland for a week, I'm going to miss all those practices here. So I, 
That's ridiculous. I can't. That's a ridiculous answer. I'm going to go to the Memphis game at home. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the Noles' chances against Memphis. <laughs> no, I mean I would love to go. I would, yeah. but it is in the middle of the. Start. I love training. I, I, I do. I I'm weird it. with that. All right, I'm going to let it go this time. But I love training camp. I'm gonna let but it it's go what a great trip. I mean, but but I mean, I'm not kidding about Aaron yeah. Lingus, who sponsored the game. It flies from Boston to Dublin yeah. because I think this year, if the Jags play two in, in over there again, we're going to do that. We went to Ireland and had a blast last year. Yeah, so I think we're going to fly through Boston on Aer Lingus. It's a different, little different. I'm just so yeah. That's free information yeah. I just gave you right there. Yeah, so uh, the other you know the other rumor is uh, they have a November date in South Bend and. Could the Jags play the Bears that same weekend? Although I've heard, I'm sure you guys heard as well, that maybe that's a, a London game. I think a London road game for well, the Jaguars. I think because of the way the schedule came out, that if they play two over there, oh. Chicago will be the one. Right. So I'm going to ask Trent Bucky about that tomorrow. I'm sure <laughs> yes, <you> are. <laughs> uh, what do you expect from the GM tomorrow? I, you know what? I don't expect a whole heck of a lot, but I'm glad he's doing it. I mean, he should do it. it even if you get almost nothing out of it. Uh, it's the right move. And, um, you know, it left me with a little bit to be desired after we heard from Peterson. And, you know, he said he needed time and a couple of days. And then I was on the air three hours later. We found out that yeah. the defensive staff was fired. So I, um, I respect the fact that he's going to meet with us tomorrow morning. That's good. Yeah, I'll talk about that coming up, among other things. All right, what else? What else? Tonight? We got that. We got the Knowles. Uh, we're going to check the uh, championship Sunday with the Philly Godfather. Uh, going to bring in John Osher at 7 okay. uh, to talk about Ryan Nielsen and some other things that are Jaguar-related. So it should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. All right, Rick Blue goes into the night. That comes up right now. Tomorrow we're back in studio, back to 3 to 6 on these Thursdays. Same bad time, same bad channel. Don't go anywhere, though. Rick Blue's up next. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Franzi. Go so long.